0: Agast. Agast. On this episode of Missing the Point, we deliver another edition of Cheap Mike, Dave, Ray, and Craig look back at one of the most famous and infamous moments in the history of professional wrestling, the Montreal Screwjob. From the very beginning of the feud between Bret the Hitman Hart and the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels, to the Fated Night in 1997, we'll look to find the causes and ultimately assign blame to one of wrestling's most famous moments. But first, some housekeeping. Missing the Point is a one-hour weekly podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a New England flavor. The show notes and transcript of today's episode can be found in the description box below, as well as on our website, www.mtpshow.com. If you're new to the show, consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see when we publish new episodes. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us and leave a review of any of our shows. We always appreciate your feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All of our links will be in the show notes. And check out our brand new website, www.mtpshow.com. That's mtpshow.com. And now, this is Missing...
1: Welcome, everyone, to episode two of Cheap Heat. I am your host, Michael Marcangelo, joined, as always, by Rayshawn Buchanan. And the EP now always comes out for the microphone for this show, Craig D'Alessandro. Damn right. And today, we actually have a surprise guest, someone that is on most of our shows, but you would not peg as a wrestling podcaster. What I will say is that the entirety of this show was spawned by Ray Sean Buchanan. In a Slack message, two days ago, he sent us a a little picture that said, who would you remove? Shawn Michaels, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker of the Rock. And this special guest said, Sean. That man is DK Sizzle. Dave Clark, and today we are talking about the Montreal Screwjob. We are talking about the rivalry between the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels, my favorite, and the best there is, the best there was, and the best that there ever will be. DK's favorite, Bret Hart. So, DK, welcome, welcome
2: to Cheap Heat. I'm honored. I, I'm on. I'm honored. I am uh, i am honored i i have been a fan of this podcast since the very first episode. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, I can't believe I'm finally here talking to the real deal. Um, this crew, I mean, I, I'm, I feel so lucky that I can come on and defend the honor of, uh, uh, Canada's favorite son, my favorite wrestler of all time, Brett, the Hitman heart and the heart foundation. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really happy to be here and I, I can't wait to get into it with you guys. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for all of us, we, we were planning on doing another show right, right around Royal Rumble time. We had just done a Survivor Series show. We touched on the Screwjob, and it's been 23 years since that that happened. But we are now approaching the 11-year anniversary of when Brett the Hitman Hart made his return to WWE television and made amends with Shawn Michaels. So we just passed not... the
2: we would we would have just passed the um, Screwjob anniversary too, right? That was in November.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. We, so, so we touched on on the Survivor Series show, but we didn't like do a, a dedicated show, but. Leave it to Ray to stir the fucking pot and, and to bring you out of the woodwork to, to just go after my boy, Shawn Michaels. So the topic of today's show is going to be the events leading up to the screw job, the actual screw job itself, the aftermath for both uh, competitors and, and even Vince and the company. Um, and then I think finally, the conclusion of this show, we will say who, who is to blame. I will give you a spoiler. I blame... Brett, DK blames everybody but Brett.
2: I mean, I I blame Vince. If I had to pick one person, I blame Vince. Um, I think that it's tough to peg anyone else with individual responsibility. I think everybody, I think there's a lot of people that had hands in it. I think there's people that um, were bystanders and let it happen that shouldn't have. But if I was going to bring charges in a court of law uh, or in the squared circle, it would be with Vince McMahon.
1: Okay, now with Craig and Ray Sean, we're talking about two of the greatest in-ring performers in, in probably wrestling history, right? Bret Hart is a top five in my book. Sean's number one. I just think he was as an as an as an all-around performer. But for you guys, when we're talking about Bret, we're talking about Sean. Craig will go to you first. Like, what comes to mind?
0: Uh, as far as technical, as far as storytelling and technical wrestling, you know, for me, it's always been it's always been Bret Hart and Ric Flair because those two have been, you know, in my mind's most, you know, been able to tell a story. I don't think those two could do it much more than anyone else. Shawn Michaels could just entertained and, you know, he could still do it now when they get paid billions of dollars to fight in another country, but that's another story for another day. Um, but as far as I, I enjoy the technical aspect of wrestling, and as far as that goes, it's, it's Bret and it's Rick flair and there, you know, there are a couple of others, but that's another conversation for another day If we're focusing on Brett Hart right now. And there's no doubt that Bret Hart's been the most, one of the most, you know, entertaining in-ring performers in the history of wrestling, not just WWE WWF, but any of the Federation.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's so true. I, when I, when I think about those two guys, I think about two guys that carried the business in the nineties, right. You know, they were, they were a part of tag teams, legendary tag teams uh, in, in the early nineties you know, uh, Shawn Michaels has that moment when he, you know, he switches him music, um, you know, uh, Marty Janetti through through British Beefcake's uh, window. And, he, you know, he finally goes solo. Um, and then, you know, uh, Bret Hart breaks apart from the Hart Foundation and goes on a solo run and just really just has a great run. So, uh, like I said, it, it, it can't be stated enough. Bret Hart, as a technical wrestler, probably is the the best and like grand that's that's what that was his his motto i'm um, the best there is the best there was the best there ever will be and it, as we know as an entertainer um but really as a performer too like i mean he entertained with his his dancing and his moves and obviously had a great uh had a great theme song i'm talking about Shawn michaels there uh it, it was just awesome to see these guys go at it in the 90s um and really i mean the the rivalry really lasted Really, over twenty years, it wasn't just something that happened through the nineties. Like it was at its peak in the nineties, obviously, because yep. they, you know, they was they was peak, they was both peak performance. But like I said, I, I just think about two guys that carried uh, the business in the nineties, and the business is not where it is today uh, had it not been for that rivalry at that time.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, if you if you look at it right, like wrestling in the eighties was Hulk Hogan. Ultimate warrior, Andre, the giant. It was, it was the, it for, especially for the
3: WWF. the macho five. man, Randy Savage, you know, yeah.
1: with the exception of a few though, like in, in, in the eighties, especially in the WWF, it was those jacked up six foot, six, 300 pound beef beefcake, beefcakes. And then you had guys, you know, sprinkled in there like macho man, Ricky steamboat that could work Jake Roberts, but it wasn't until Brett and Sean uh, had their tag teams with the rockers and the Hart foundation. And they kind of broke apart that you saw the next iteration of what wrestling was going to be people that could actually go in there and work for more than 10 minutes.
2: Yeah. And I think you have to give, and uh, you know, obviously we've established my bias for Bret Hart, um, right off the bat, but I think you have to give Brett a lot of credit for that transition because in the eighties you had Hulk Hogan, essentially carry wrestling, you know, I mean, a lot of those guys that you just mentioned do deserve credit, but Hulk Hogan was the face of of, of the federation for the entire decade, pretty much. And when the steroid scandal hit, um, and McMahon, you know, as we all know, became dangerously close to going under, you know, like that. that It almost ruined him um, if it wasn't for kind of a bad litigation and kind of sketchy doctor's notes. Um, it, we the WWF, as we know, it wouldn't be here. Um, but Brett comes in and is with the with the guys you have left on the roster after the scandal. Brett is. The only viable and best option to become a champion, you know, um, Randy Savage is old by that point, you know, a, a lot of the guys that are left from that kind of steroid era or jacked up era, or Hogan era, whatever you want to call it, they're, they're just not there's nobody viable to, to give the belt to and, and to carry the to, to carry the Federation. And then, you know, here comes Brett, you know, like and he breaks off from the tag teams, goes on this solo run and it's and he's perfect, you know, he just completely fits the bill. And I I just think he deserves a ton of credit for that initial championship, really helping the, the Federation out.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, Vince knew that he was in trouble, right? Uh, obviously, with, with the steroid scandal, which is why... It wouldn't be the first time either. Yeah, if, if you think back back in 1991, he went and plucked out Ric Flair from WCW at the time to bring in someone that could actually keep people in the building as a main eventer, wrestle a 30-minute match instead of what Hogan was doing in case. By the way, just so that you guys know, a little bit of a side note... This is when Vince McMahon did sign over control of WWF at the time to his wife Linda McMahon to make her the CEO because he thought he was going to prison.
2: So he wanted right, right. to keep the company afloat because he had his hands on the steroid stuff, right? Like it was it, the, the the charges weren't being brought against the WWF. The charges were getting brought against Vince McMahon for supplying his athletes with
1: because he did start like a weightlifting federation, and that's where, yeah, that's where it all spawned from.
2: And that weird urologist in Hershey, Pennsylvania, or whatever was going on—it's it's all very strange.
1: Yeah, it's all very strange. But this, I mean, this is another thing, right? Uh, wrestling is not a sport, right? So how can you say that steroids are not are, are should not be allowed in there? Like if they don't drug test you at the Emmys. They probably should, but they don't. This is not a real sport. But we, I digress. So Bret Hart wins the title from Ric Flair in 1992. He is the guy in that company. You know, there were a couple of champions between 1992 and 1996, like Diesel, who you know, Bob Backlund. Those were just, Bret Hart was the face of that company.
2: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. He was the Intercontinental champ before that, which I think was typically given to, like, it was kind of a technical wrestler champ or you know, a, a belt that you would give to somebody that wasn't from the U S and you wouldn't usually see that, that leap. Right. Or am I, am I totally off base there? Well,
1: it, it was it, that, that title was the workhorse title, right? Like guys like right. Ricky, the dragon steamboat who never won a WWE championship, but macho man, Randy Savage did. He held that title first and then went on to be a, a WWF champion. So the, 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 theory here, here is, and you can jump in if, if you want Ray is that if you were good enough to be intercontinental champion, it meant that you could have, a twenty-five to thirty-minute match, you could bring people into the building or make sure that they're happy for being brought in because of Hogan, and that means the company had you know future plans.
3: Yeah, I, I mean that that's how that title in the nineties, even before they had like serious prestige, right? So you know, if you were giving that, it was given like to like the upper mid card guy. So you know, you wasn't maybe the main event. I mean, now there was some main events for the IC title in the nineties. So you want to go to WrestleMania ten with, with Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. You know, this we talked about before, yeah, we talked about before we got on the air, but uh, the match with you know British Bulldog and 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 uh, Bret Hart at Wembley Stadium in 92, at uh, SummerSlam in '92, like those those matches really they were main events, you know. And you know, so if he was given he was given that title, you know, they was like, you know what, you may not be the guy right now, but you are next up. But also, you know, like we talked about, Vince knew that he can. You trust he trust you. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. He could trust you, right? He he could, he could trust Brett. Um, and he knew that Brett wasn't going to let him down or let the company down. So that's where that stemmed from. And like I said, he he hit on Brett, and it was uh, it, it was gold from then on. From ninety two on.
1: Yeah, and the same thing, right? So these two, <clears throat> Brett and Sean, were pretty much placed on a collision course the second they were both in WWF, right? Their tag team, uh, their their tag teams were were identically uh, relevant and popular with the fan base when, when the heart foundation was bad, everybody hated them when they were good. Everyone wanted to see them win. They were one of the best teams, if not the best, you know, you want to say like the road warriors, Harlem heat there, there's, I mean, I think that it's the heart foundation and everybody else, the rockers were the, the first incarnation of like the Hardy boys edging Christian, right? The high flying technical aspect that would, that would just really like, wow, the guys, wow, the girls, everything like that. But it was at this time as they're, as they are kind of climbing through the ranks where the collision course was set, was set, you know, Brett and Sean faced off in 1992. Nobody really remembers that match. I do. I watched it. It was a clinic. Those two could wrestle, you know, I'll say this and DK, listen to me. Cause I do love Bret Hart. Brett Hart could have a five-star match with a broomstick. I believe it. <laughs> I think Sean could do the same. Right. Um, but if you think about it, like their careers are both going on the upward tra- trajectory. Bret Hart is champion. He gets screwed out of the belt in 93 because Hogan comes back and they want him to beat Yokozuna at WrestleMania nine. Go ahead. So I have go.
2: something to say about this. So he, however long Brett has the, the belt for at this point, right? It was a year, maybe like yeah. less. Yeah. So the Yokozuna thing is the first example of Bret Hart being treated as a placeholder by Vince McMahon in the WWF. formerly known WWF. He is always, and this is where it starts, always used as a champion until Vince thinks there's something better to come along. And it's to me, a little disrespectful to Brett Hart. And at this point, you know, Brett's always loyal with like, that'll be a through line to what we say uh, through the entirety of this podcast. But this is where it starts. There's stories, you know, believe who you want, but there's stories about his interactions, Brett's interactions with Hulk Hogan you know, uh, Vince McMahon allegedly told Brett that uh, Hulk says he'd never drop the belt to you. You're not fit to lace up his boots. He's only going to drop the belt to Yokozuma. You know, it's uh, he confronts Hogan about this. Vince says, Oh, you just heard what you want to hear, Brett. That to me is the, the very first seed planted by Vince that, that says I can treat Bret Hart. However I want, this is the, it's the it's the preamble to the Montreal screw job. So it's important, I think to, to, to point that out because Hogan still got the clout. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Um, uh, Yokozuna, Yokozuna's not talked about as much as uh, today as as he was popular at the time. You know, like he was, he got really big really fast. Um, no, no pun intended. And the the uh, his popularity was undeniable. But the Brett was the champ. You know, like he was the champ for a year, and he should have gotten some sort of respect. To try to get that belt drop back to him, something like that should have happened. Or Hogan should have dropped the belt to him. Maybe Yokozuna takes it off him after that. You could have kept that storyline going. It's the first example of him getting skipped over by Vince. And it's certainly not the last.
3: Right. But I think that's how Hogan was at that time. Because even whether it was WWF at the time or WCW, like if Hogan didn't feel that he could draw money with you, then you know you got put on the back burner and so i mean you know and brett wasn't brett yet i get right that. yeah exactly and, and i think that's what happened so i mean remember you know taker comes in you know it's not about taker but we talked about it on, on the last on the last episode but you know taker comes in you know it's like man this guy's 6 10 20 well that's what he was being billed as and you know he he drops the title the next year to him at at uh at survivor Series. you know that's that was his first um his first championship run, so it's like you know, it, it that's just it just goes back to that. Like, you know, if you're not, if, if they don't think you can draw money, and they think you know, and granted, like you said, he Brett wasn't 6'8, 320 pounds, you know, he was six feet, you know, 234, 240, so you know, not a small guy by normal stature, but compared to what most of the guys drew, money's like he wasn't a warrior, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't Andre the Giant, he wasn't any of those guys, so you know, Vince for the longest time hasn't, you know, had to put. Uh, put stock in guys that are that small, except Brett and Sean. it started with those guys, so that's that's what happened.
2: I, I, but did, did his draw in Canada? Was his draw in Canada big at that point? Yeah, no. like did he have that kind of pull yet? Well, I they they he,
3: he he was definitely bigger. They were a lot of them were bigger overseas than they were in the states. And I think but that's he why wasn't
2: he, went, he wasn't Bret Hart in Canada, most popular man in Canada can like can draw a crowd anywhere he goes. You know what I mean? Like if he's He's buying tampons at the Walmart. He'll get 30,000 people watching him. It's not, it's, he's not there yet. I get that.
1: No, at this point in time, like like 92, 93, Brett was very, very, very well liked, uh, internationally because international fans, wrestling fans are typically what they call quote unquote smarter wrestling fans. Right. So they always, yeah, they're, they're, they're smart. Right. Right. Um, so he was, always, he was always beloved. I think what, what, what we saw there at in, in, in WrestleMania 9 in 1993 was the, uh, just a byproduct of Vince going back to the well one too many times with, with Hogan. He thought he was going to cash in Hulkamania one more time. And also from Hogan's perspective, Brett isn't Brett. And I think like at that point in time, Hogan w- would look at things through the prism of, will people care if I body slam him? Brother. Right, and nobody's gonna care if Hogan's body slams Brett. If he body slams Hogan the, or, or Yokozuna, the whole place is gonna go nuts. Sure, These but are, I'm
2: not asking for Hogan to care. I'm asking at that point for Vince to care because because Brett Well, the and, two was ti- and the Phil- two were
1: tied. I mean,
2: sure, I, I get it, but but, but Brett did, but Brett did pull him out of the steroid era mess that Hogan got him into, and in, in well, actually got him off of at the end of it. Right. But yeah, uh, the you know that that he was representative of. Brett did. That Brett did save the company in some ways, there, you know. So I'm just, I'm just saying, Vince again is the, is the where I'm pointing the blame. I mean, it's easy to blame Hulk Hogan for a lot of things. He's done a lot of terrible things in his life, but the uh, the blame for me again starts there with Vince and ends at the screw job with Vince. But yes, go on. But I mean,
3: do do you blame Vince though? Do you blame not Vince for, for the first to... one,
2: not for the first no, one? No, I'm saying not but for going the... to the
3: well though. Like, could I mean, if, like no, you said, no,
2: no, 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 not at all, not not in the first one, not not uh, when it came to the to overlooking him for Yokozuna and and not for um how that stuff played out like i think maybe in retrospect if he hadn't known what brett was going to be sure but like i said he wasn't brett yet i i don't uh i don't blame him for that but i think it starts to set a precedent if that makes sense
1: yeah i think so too and then so then we fast forward to 1994 it's wrestlemania 10 10th anniversary of, of of vince mcmahon's biggest gamble in the wrestling industry that has paid off on this, the opening match of WrestleMania 10 was Brett versus Owen. And when I tell you that this is one of the top 10 matches uh, of all time, I mean it. I mean, the the, the story that they told without saying any words in that match was incredible. Uh, Brett uh, did the job. He, he was, he was, he put his brother over, uh, which, you know, catapulted Owen into a, 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 about a year long feud with Brett. Um, and then he had another great match with the Superflex in the
2: top of the cage. Can't forget that. Yeah,
1: that SummerSlam '94, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and then, but it, it, at at WrestleMania 10, Bret wrestled twice. He was in the main event against Yokozuna for the WWF Championship and won. But people don't really remember that. What they remember from that night is a little thing called the ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels, which stole the entire show. A little bit of a backstory on that. That match was not the first ladder match in WWF history. It was the first televised one, but it was proposed by Brett. Brett said he thought he and Sean could steal the show. And what happened was Sean was in that meeting. Sean went to Vince and said, I want to do it with Scott, his buddy. So they did it. They stole the show. That's where real tension starts arising. But just for you guys, uh, you know, Craig, WrestleMania 10, what is your biggest
0: takeaway? I I, I I do remember that that match happened, and then nobody cared about the rest of the card. That match just dominated that entire card. To be as you had Razor Ramon, who was the biggest, uh, one of the biggest heels at the time. It might have been his biggest match to that point. Then you had oh, he was Mike.
2: the biggest heel at the time. He was like my first heel. I remember him so clearly. as like my first, my first big heel. Yeah. And th- and then you just you you had that match, which went for a
0: while, and then everyone it seems like everyone just re- forgets the rest of that card even happened.
3: I remember the Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels match more than even the Owen Hart and Bret Hart match. Now, um, although it was a great match, like I'm not saying that it wasn't. Obviously, it was. But you know, they they were two of the best at, the, at that time. But that that's where that that coin phrase "Mr. WrestleMania" that Shawn Michaels was, was dubbed. That's where it began. And yeah, to put it to you know, you're in Madison Square Garden, you know, the biggest stage. Really, in, like when when it comes to WWF, like that was that's their territory. Like no other, no other company could come in there. Like that's the fun. That's another fun fact. If you no other wrestling territory could come in into Madison Square, Square Garden, but but uh, the WW or WWF at, at the time. So uh, that was that was a phenomenal match. You know, he put Silver, Razor Ramon. I think it, it, was, it, it was it was it was it was a like it was an undisputed uh, match, right? Cause yeah. Had, so was, the
1: backstory of that was Sean actually uh, was suspended for I think ninety days because he tested positive for. I think it was steroids, but he claims that he was never actually taking steroids, and if you look at him he I mean he just never
3: looked at that point in time like he was really his really his whole his whole career, maybe except for the the running o two maybe when he came back he he was a little jacked uh he was super jacked in o two he was sent home, and Vince said, We need the belt
1: and Sean said, I have it, come get it yeah. and- So they created a new belt for Razor and this was like the unification match. Um, The reason why I bring this up is I I think, Dave, just to, just to, just to keep uh, telling the story about how much parallel there was between these two careers, because they were both in, in, in a perfect world, there would be in one generation of Shawn Michaels and then the next generation of Bret Hart or either, or in the nineties, they were both there at the same time and they both couldn't be the man. So now you know, we're, we're coming off the heels of, of, of WrestleMania 10. Uh, the next couple of years, things get a little bit hairy for Sean. He was a, he, he you know, obviously uh, he will even tell you that he was a, he was a bad person backstage. He didn't have his personal life in order. There was a time in 1995 where he mowed off to, uh, I I believe it was a Marine at a bar and it was jumped by 10 people, got his ass handed to him. He then had to relinquish the title again because he couldn't, he wasn't fit to perform. All the while, Brett is the workhorse.
2: Yeah. I mean, Brett, Brett, Brett claims himself. He hasn't, he missed two days in the entire, in in the entirety of his WWE career. You know, I mean, it's, he's ultimate professional.
1: Always showed up, always delivered, uh, which brings us to Royal Rumble 1996. Shawn had already won the uh, the one back in 1995. Gone into WrestleMania 11, lost to Kevin Nash. Diesel,
2: that's his friend. It's fine. So, so just to interject here. Sorry. That at this point, if we're skipping ahead, yep. Lex Luger's already st- stolen SummerSlam from Bret. Right at this point, because that was in '95.
1: He stole the Royal Rumble from Bret in 1994 which is why they. they yeah. They, so they
2: try him out as champion. It doesn't work. He can't put asses in seats. They try, like you just mentioned, diesel out as champion. It doesn't work at all. Cause they have that, the famous, um, the, what do they used to call it? The house party, the house viewer thing. Oh, that, in, your house. Like, in your house, in your house thing that, that did like the worst numbers of a, of a uh, pre recorded WWF event, like of all time. They immediately get diesel out both times, both champions don't work out. Who do they go back to? They go back to Brett. Because he's like, Mr. Consistency, like you were just saying. He's a good company man. Uh, you know, at, at the start of the 90s, he's a good company man. With the Yokozuna stuff, he's a good company man. Uh, after Lex Luger turns out to suck, he's a good company man. After Diesel turns out to, to not be able to sell tickets. And that then brings us uh, up to date. I just do want to skip that stuff because it, it's important for Brett's resume. I think. They were so desperate to make Le- Lex Luger work. It seemed was... to me that they were desperate to make anyone but Brett work. That's that's how I view it. That
1: yeah. they that they did never put the belt on Lex. They no, did they not?
2: No. Well well no. but that he. I'll tell you why it was confused in my head. I'll tell you why it was confused in my head because Bret Hart is Mr. SummerSlam. So if he loses at a SummerSlam or at a Royal Rumble, that feels almost worse to me than than a than a, a WWF championship. Just it, hey, so. so you
3: you know what it was with Les Luger like because now we we already talked about Hulk Hogan going away and not being that guy, and you know he's we're trying to figure out what's going to be next. They were looking to make Lex Luger the next Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that, that was the problem. Yeah. The you know, Lex, Lex Express, Hogan, yeah, the, yeah, Lex Express had the you know the tour bus, and he's wearing the red, white, and blue. Sent him all he's, around he's, the country. White, That's right. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so it was just like you know he he just didn't have the personality, or he he couldn't draw the people in. Like,
2: uh but that year, like that said, year you know? that they're they're doing that with Lex Luger, Bret Hart's working away and gets feud of the year with Jerry Lawler. And that's the best storyline of that year, you know, like that's, the, that's the best thing that that we see all year. So it's like, you know, you can keep skipping him, you can keep looking him over, but he's your best option still, you know, because like, like you said, Sean's out of the picture by his own uh, decisions at that point. So, right. And you know, and,
3: that, and I think that's, that's test stuff of what happens for WrestleMania 12. So, yep. So. Great segue, Ray. So uh Shawn Michaels
1: wins his comeback match in the 1996 Royal Rumble. He he goes on and he they're they're going to then this is a story that we all wanted to see. It was uh Shawn Michaels against Bret Hart. Both of them were baby faces. They're good guys. So what the what the WWE did here uh in in the lead up, they made Sean look like Jean Claude Van Damme. I mean, if you if you go back and you and you look at some of the video clips, he was doing upside down uh, upside down push ups. He was, I mean, he was just doing everything. And they sent a, a film crew up to uh, up to Calgary to to show Brett training, but he had just had, I, I think, like meniscus surgery. So they, they they got a clip of him running, and he was running in the winter. He wasn't running fast. He looked like an old man. They had video clips of him swimming. He can't swim. He admitted that, and so he felt like they. Brett felt Wait, like the they did. It,
2: they did like Rocky montages, right? Like yeah. that was, oh, was that was the big uh, so thing. Like they have they were Shawn trying to, running yeah. up the
1: bleachers. The, like I said, doing the upside down. Put it was it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So Brett feels like WWF is pushing Shawn at his at his expense, and he felt disrespected by the way that he was being presented. This uh, this was the first of what was supposed to be three matches behind the scenes. Brett agreed to drop the belt and help launch Shawn, with the understanding that this would set up a series of three WrestleMania main events culminating with uh, Sean beating him for the second uh, two out of three times at WrestleMania 14. So this match, 60 minute Iron Man match had never happened in WWE before. Vince was very, very apprehensive to put an hour long match on a pay-per-view business was not great at this time. Uh, WCW uh, was really just, they weren't kicking their ass yet, but they were getting all the stars. They already had Luger. They already had Hogan. They already had sting. Uh, Rick Flair. Literally, the list goes on.
2: Did the did the um did the champ did the championship steal happen uh, with the women's champion?
1: Yep. So in nineteen ninety five, right? Yep, yeah. So in nineteen ninety five, Blaze def- de- defected to WCW. Showed Through up the, in the,
2: the trash. In as Medusa yeah, yeah.
1: on live television. This is very important. I'm glad that you brought it up, Dave. Uh, on live television, on a live Nitro, she said that this title was meaningless and dropped the WWF Championship into the trash can. That's an important little tidbit to hang on to.
2: I knew uh, it was so going to come up so. <laughs> yeah,
1: once we get to, once we get to the screw job. But uh I want to just say WrestleMania 12, Iron Man match. Those two put on I I still think if you have the attention span to go back and watch this, it's it for me that match is perfect.
2: It's Absolutely. probably the best it's probably the best main event of all time, I think.
1: It's absolutely perfect, and it's because those two were one and one a in my in my opinion. And I, you can, I know uh, Brett is your number one uh, DK, but he could not. I mean, I did say earlier that he could have a five star match with the broomstick, but that match told the story of all stories.
2: Even though obviously, you know, spoiler alert, it happened uh, thirty years ago. But the even though sweet chin music ends it for Brett that night, um, it's it's my favorite. Probably my favorite Bret Hart match. It's I have I have the I have a couple in my head, but I think it's probably my favorite Bret Hart match. Like you said, if you have the stamina to go back and watch it, um, as far as a balance of styles, high flying, acrobatic style versus perfect technical wrestling, submissions, um, and just expert expert storytelling from both guys. So if you if you do have the the patience to go back and watch it, if you were if you wanted to get somebody into uh the, the, the into wrestling into um wrestlemania's into anything like that and they have a spare hour that's the match i would show them
1: all right ray i saw you nodding your head over there right what are your takeaways from the iron man match
3: no that like you say it's a top five match of, of all time um see to me the best match of wrestlemania does involve Shawn michaels but it wasn't wrestlemania 12 it was actually wrestlemania 25 but we'll, we'll get into that another time um that was a perfect story as well. But once again, I don't want to get into that, but I mean, it's funny. Cause I think when Shawn Michaels got into the hall of fame in 2011, you know, he talked about how, you know, no one really, no one really thought that they would be able to buy an hour, you know, like an hour, an hour, um, yep. match, you know? So the fact that they were able to tell their story, like you said, and, you know, really keep, keep the audience captivated was just phenomenal. So, um, it just, it just spoke to how, styles do make a fight and that when you put those two guys together despite working themselves into a shoot and brett feeling disrespected and Shawn michaels being crazy backstage and you know doing doing crazy stuff uh all over the place it just showed that when those guys came together magic was created and they just knew how to steal the crowd and they knew how to put on a match no matter the time frame but i can't believe that we didn't bring this up either um his entrance, my God, his entrance coming in mm-hmm. when, you know, I mean, to, which is there's no, listen, I want to make it clear. There's no way in hell I would have ziplined down to the ring. No way, no how, like, mm-hmm. I, I, granted, I, I don't know why he chose to do that. Um, I, I, there's a story that Vince chose to do it, you know, beforehand, you know, which I guess you can give credit to Vince that Vince won't do uh, anything that he's not willing to do. Um, hence is why I think that's why the screw wrap, screw job came, but we'll get into that uh shortly. Um, but man, I mean, that that was that was just phenomenal in itself. Like, I was captivated by the interest in itself, and it's like, oh, Shawn Michaels coming down, it, you know, it's just you know, so it was just I'll never forget that. And then, like I said, at the end, when he says, you know, the boyhood dream is, has come true, and you know, it, it really did. So, um, like I said, phenomenal match overall, great story told, and uh, but I said, you know, we really found out the best were still yet to come.
2: <laughs> the face-off at the start, like, it had the heat of a, of a you know, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, um, Rumble in the Jungle box match. Like, they're, they're facing off. They don't even dislike each other, really, by this point. Nope. Uh, not to the degree that they're going to. Maybe something's bubbling for Brett already. But, you know, they, I, I remember so clearly being a little kid. And watching this, I mean, you know, we're all the same age uh, for you guys at home. And like, we're all kids when this is happening. Like we're, you know, we're talking elementary school here. I was eight. Uh, Yeah, I was, I was seven, I think. And I, I remember, I remember their face off so clearly you could feel it. It was electric, Uh, you know, and, and to in, in, in the sport, in the sports entertainment world, um, in, in WWF wrestling to create something that tense, um, as their face-off before an Ironman match is so rare and and difficult to do, and a big part of it, I think, was because they were about to do it for, for a goddamn hour. You know yeah. what I mean? Like these two guys are about knew they were in for it. You know, yep. they knew they were in for a hell of a workout, um, some pain, and uh, and you know, w- probably both of their best matches ever. You know, so it's and and it's it's sad. Like Ray, what Ray was just talking right there. It's it makes me sad sometimes when I think about the animosity that eventually grew between these two guys they kind of never really uh got any 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 closure not not in any real sense because they elevated each other so much and this okay. is the prime example of that like this this wrestlemania is is the prime example of that being so such great foils for one another and uh helping each other out so much because they like you said they're perfect they're, they're both perfect you, like you could analyze that match from top to bottom, and you you couldn't find a mistake from either guy. You know they they keep each other safe. They they pull off every single move, and like Ray was saying, they tell the story. So it's like right. it's amazing.
1: I think the best part about that match for me is that now nowadays, if you have a, a sixty man, or a sixty minute Ironman match, like the the ending is like five to four. That was one nothing, and it went to overtime. It yeah. took sixty three minutes or so for one of them to keep their shoulders down for three seconds or longer, or to tap out. So that's how you protect the loser. And in, in, in a sense like that, it was only it was only for three seconds. Right. It was one kick, three seconds.
2: And it but it was it was uh, there was a timer. Right. Am I am I remembering? Correctly? So there was, a, was so
1: so time expired. So how this match unfolded was time expired while right. Brett had Sean in the sharpshooter. That's so right. Brett's, Brett's walking down the aisle with, with the title and Gorilla Monsoon comes out and says this match will now go to sudden death. And within you know three minutes of of sudden death, Sean sweet chins him one, two, three. And this is where one of the biggest seeds uh was actually sown for this rivalry. Sean can be seen and heard when he has That's the title. Right. Get him out of my
2: ring. Bang, yeah.
1: Get him out of my effing ring. <laughs> Brett heard it. I right. love it.
3: I love it though. I love it. Get out of my he ring. You're saying this is I'm, my I'm moment. The man. I'm the champ, baby.
2: You know, this is my moment because because uh, you know, and I'm not trying to let that shot off the hook, but he, you know, maybe he was just <laughs> excited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I would take that I mean, personally it, too if I was it, Bret Hart. You know, but
3: but you you should be excited though. That yeah. that is, you know, that's that's your first world title run. Like, yeah, I want everybody out the ring except me and the ref. Raise my hand. Let let me go. And you know, he
2: raise, could have, you have been know, a little nicer raise. about it. I mean, Bret was nah. putting him over. You know, yeah.
3: I mean, I I guess, but you know, it's it, it's, it's a cutthroat business, baby. <laughs> as we as we'll go
2: on to learn as, uh, yeah as, as we, <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. As, as we as we find out very quickly but you know i mean for that for that night yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie i probably would have said something close to that like <laughs> i'd have been like i'm i'm the champ like i am the man um and i i mean just i'm so i'm i'm a jerk when it comes to stuff like that i probably would have been like now i'm the best there is yeah the best there was and oh my god can everyone. you
2: imagine if you said him out something of my like room. that that rivalry would have accelerated a lot faster than it did, man. That would have been right. too far. <laughs> oh, that,
3: that, that'd have been beautiful, though.
1: I think the goal of any of any wrestling match or moment is to suspend uh, disbelief, right? Is to make everyone at home think, this is actually real. Like, they, they make you forget that this is all work. Right. I think sometimes it, that does transcend to the athletes in and of themselves. I think Sean's a dick. I think he was a dick then. I think that was a <laughs> dick move for him to pull. I think, you know, before this match... It was understood, uh, Brett had let everybody know that he's going to take some time off. He had not taken time off in 10 years. He was filming a, a, a TV show that was, that was canceled, but well, he was going to go. He was going to leave, and he and Sean had agreed. You know what? After this match, everyone, the boys already think that we hate each other. Let's keep doing that. Let's just make sure that you and I talk to each other, so that we don't. So we we don't cross cross any lines. lines. Yeah, yeah, we don't cross any lines. But like, let's build this because this is going to be a three-year feud. So Brett storms out and he's gone from March of twenty of nineteen ninety-six until November of nineteen ninety-six. During that summer off, he signs an unprecedented twenty-year, twenty-million-dollar contract with WWF.
2: Oh wait, hold on a second. Fill me in here because I thought that the I thought the twenty-year Twenty million contract, and I could be wrong here, but I thought the twenty million twenty year contract was. Oh yes, you're right. Actually, sorry, because during the time off, he goes and he gets an offer from uh, WCW from Ted yep. Turner's company. He goes back to Vince. He says, "I got an offer from WCW. Can you match it?" Vince says, "No, I can't match that. That's crazy money because it was it was what three million a year for for nine years or or was, sorry was, nine was, million for three years. Three years yeah. yeah, yeah, so." That happens, and then um, Vince says no. But then Vince comes back with this bonkers contract with all these kind of rules and stuff. So okay, yes, I'm caught up. Thank you.
1: Yeah, he, so the, the whole premise here from Vince was to make Bret Hart the Babe Ruth of WWF, right. so that he could always be around. He could always come back, and that he and would he never leave. And he used
2: those words, right? He said yes. that to Bret.
1: Yeah. yeah, I want to make you the Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they agree, they work out their deal, um, and you know, and the, when this whole thing is going on, one of the things that Bret said is, you know, I think you should work with Steve. He told Sean that I think you should work with Steve because Steve's a great worker. Sean said, I'm gonna work with Diesel, Razor, Hunter, and the kid. Who that's his click.
2: That's that click that's, is then that's, established, that's, right?
1: That's the yeah. click. Uh, little did Sean know that Razor and Diesel would sign the most lucrative contracts that you know in wrestling history. The the first ever contracts that were guaranteed money, at that point, uh, for limit for for no date. So they were going to get paid no matter what. And they would go off to WCW. They would then form the NWO over the summer of 1996. Which again, that moment is there's no attitude ever without the NWO. There's no guaranteed money without the NWO. Wrestling is not wrestling without that. But Sean and nobody to work with, right? So he's working with Vader. He's working with Psycho Sid. Brett
3: comes back. He has Syramor issues Syramor with
2: Vader too, right? Was that a, did I make that up?
3: Everyone had issues
2: with yeah. Vader. Yeah, Vader wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah especially well, that one guy on the Kuwait interview. Did you did you guys ever see that? Yep. Him, yeah. and, him, and, uh, him and Taker. Sorry to do a quick tangent here, but Craig can <laughs> cut this out later if it's no good. But it's a hilarious video if anyone wants to check it out at home. Vader and Taker are inexplicably in the Middle East on a tour and it's during the, is wrestling fake, is wrestling not fake era, right? Like where it's kind of like wrestling secrets revealed on, you know, on TNT or whatever on USA. And uh, some poor um, Kuwaiti journalist says, Hey, I heard it's fake. Is it fake? And Taker's like, ah, you know, it's ah, whatever gives a very diplomatic answer. And then Vader flips the table and picks the guy up by his tie and spends two weeks, I think, in a Kuwaiti jail because of the extradition laws because Vader was an absolute hothead. He had his mask on in the interview, which was hilarious. I love that character, by the way. But apparently, apparently nobody... Nobody really liked working with him, but I mean, he was really good for some good it's moments. It's
1: because he was, it, it, he had he had the 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 stigma of being stiff. Like he would right. actually, yeah. hit it. Right. he was kind of reckless in right. the Sean match at SummerSlam.
2: A lot of the big guys were back then. I feel like
1: yeah, but at yeah. the Seth yeah at the SummerSlam wow. match, different
2: kind of big, but yeah, sorry, go on, Mike. No.
1: In, in the SummerSlam match, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you can hear Sean say, "Are you fucking stupid?" Right, like oh, so, nice. he broke it again. Like that's you're not you're not supposed to do that in the ring. So, Brett comes back, has a fire match with Stone Cold Steve Austin at Survivor Series of 1996. This was their first, the most famous one happened at WrestleMania 13. This one was a clinic. Sean losing Belta- the uh, Crimson
0: Mass Mass, isn't
1: it? That's that's 13. Survivor oh. Series was a technical wrestling. I mean, it was it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Somehow uh austin I don't, why don't i
2: remember this this survivor you don't series that you're you don't
1: you, you won't so uh, on this survivor series austin lost to brett but it, he looked like a million dollars the rock debuted as rocky Maivia. this
2: isn't this isn't the oh oh i do remember that yes now i do and they booed him yeah. 96. They booed him. They booed The Rock yep. for this was his debut. They booed him. Yes, I remember. This come, he comes okay. out looking okay.
1: like looking like a moron. look ridiculous. His little yeah, 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 okay, yeah, it was okay, awful. Okay. I'm
2: caught die
0: Rocky
1: die all that stuff. And yeah, right. <laughs> also, it's the most it's the most visceral crowd in the world. It's Madison Square Garden. Those are the smartest of smart fans. Well, die Vince hard always days.
2: said it's it's the yardstick for the WWF yep. and WWE. It's it's like, if if.
1: You get over uh, Sean's there.
2: getting booed at, at Madison square garden. If this guy's getting booed, if this guy's getting cheered, that's what we go with these, this is the crowd, right? Like that's always been his yardstick. So,
1: so the entire 1996 boyhood dream run by Sean Michaels, Sean Michaels hated. He was miserable because he was not the clean cut baby face that they were making him out to be. He wanted to be edgier, but Vince wouldn't let them. So coming into survivor series 96, Sean's actually booed. He loses the belt to psycho Sid. Uh, he comes back in, in January of 97, Royal Rumble. He wins his title back, thus setting up Brett versus Sean number two at WrestleMania 13. The plan is outlined. Brett's going to go over. He walks up to Sean, says, I'm really looking forward to working with you. Uh, thank you for doing the, me the honors. And like, you know, we're going to keep this thing going. And Sean said, I'm not doing it.
2: The yeah, next I'm not week, put you over. I'm not
1: putting yeah. you over, right? Yeah. yeah. The next week, it was, I think it was February of nineteen ninety-seven at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. I was there, Lowell, Massachusetts.
2: Shots- I was, I, I was. I'm really glad you brought this up. I'm so, I'm so proud of you for this. <laughs> I was
1: there. Shawn Michaels walks out and says,
2: "You were there." I was. You know, honestly, I, I'm, I, I keep interrupting you, but I was thinking about this. <laughs> I was thinking about this podcast today, and I said, "I wonder if Mike is going to bring up Lowell." And I, and I wasn't even in the United States by this point. I was still living in Ireland, which is, could explain why I'm a Bret Hart fan, as you said. All the international fans love yep. them. But I was still living in Dublin at the time. And I was thinking, I wonder if Ray and Craig and Mike were in Lowell for that match. I wonder if any of them were there. And it turns there. out you were there. That's amazing. Yeah. I <laughs> That's was there with my,
1: mom, with my mom and my dad. And I remember uh, Vince calling Sean out. He has the belt. And Sean says that you know uh, that he's lost his smile.
2: The and lost his close. smile speech, so famous.
1: And he was crying. And I was again, I was I was eight. I was bawling my eyes. That's my that is my guy relinquishing the title because he wanted to go home and find his smile. Little did I know that the backstage uh thing was, yes, he was hurt. Sean will say that he was he had a very bad knee injury, that he was never cleared to wrestle again. Some of it is true, some of it isn't. The real thing, though, is that he didn't want to do the honors to to Brett, which then set up a taker versus...
2: Kind of spin. mad you brought this up because this is going to be my big linchpin argument for uh, w- yeah. when you eventually brought up that Brett didn't want to relinquish the title. Oh, yeah. Back to Sean. And you'll remember he said in the I Miss My Smile speech that I watched today and prep for this show. He, I've lost my smile, the smile speech. He said in that, and it didn't look like Vince saw this coming at all. And he says he didn't see it coming. And I believe him. one of the very few things that comes out of Vince McMahon's mouth that I do believe <laughs> he, uh, he, he lost his smile, all this stuff. He said, I may never wrestle again. Like you just said, I, cause he was saying, I need a knee replacement. Yep. But then magically after this, he got a second opinion and he was cleared to fight in four weeks. Well, you know? I-
1: Kind of. So that was in February. He came back in May, but in four weeks, he did a backflip off the top rope uh, and landed and started dancing around pretty much right in Brett's face. Saying, like, I'm not really hurt, right? Like, I just didn't want to do it. That set up Psycho Sid versus Taker for the belt. Taker wins, obviously, but the the real story of of this mania was the thing that Brett did to propel Stone Cold Steve Austin to the stratosphere of professional wrestling. It was a I quit match refereed by Ken Shamrock, who was the biggest name in the UFC at this point in time. They didn't even know what they were going to do with him.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were like, oh, "We we got him signed up." Uh, I mean, I guess make him a ref. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like
1: they were trying to legitimize this this match and make it feel as real as possible. And I think it worked. And the, what, what did and you the, think? Yeah,
2: totally. And the beginning of the kind of and you know as as you know and like I'm a big UFC MMA guy, and we haven't had an opportunity to do a ton of UFC preview stuff, but. This is the beginning of the of the crossover kind of in the in the meta crossover, you know, the the ideological crossover between the UFC and the WWE, and long before you you young kids at home listening, long before Ronda Rousey makes that transition, Ken Ken Shamrock goes over there, <laughs> they had just no idea what to do with this guy, and which is what I think you guys were saying, what everybody was saying when Ronda went over there, which is. I think it's going to be a Ken Shamrock situation, you know. It's like there, it's a different sport. It's a different set of uh, set of skills, and yeah, Ken was a, a square peg in a round hole over there. But um, th- I, I love that he's the referee.
0: I think that was the point where John McCain was still calling it like human cockfighting and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, yeah. I mean the UFC was in its infancy, but yeah. it, it and you know you say it legitimizes it. I think it it the the WWE letting a UFC guy in legitimizes yeah. the UFC a lot. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and it helps a lot of fans cross over at this point. And Ken Shamrock being at that match, it's a lucky right place, right time for for him and, and for the, the whole thing. Because what an insane finish, you know, that sharpshooter finish. I'll let you keep going on it. But yeah, I just wanted to interject that Ken Shamrock stuff. It's so wild to me when you see his face <laughs> popping up in the WWF.
1: A little backstory to this is that this is still 1997, right? So this is still PG WWF. Right. But so there's not attitude error. They were they were uh they were told Brett and Steve were told there's no color, meaning no blood. Brett said this match needs blood. Steve didn't want Austin did not want to do it himself. So what Brett did, I don't well, know. If o- the Austin
2: did. wouldn't wouldn't jig himself, right? Like he wouldn't blame. Not, not, not at
1: this point. He 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 did he was pretty uncomfortable with it.
2: Right. And they so, and the the WWF claims that they they were in business for themselves that night on this on this blood, yep. right? Yep. but it so, does, that doesn't make sense to me because if the plot was that he was supposed to pass out from blood loss, that
1: how, wasn't that wasn't
2: it wasn't no okay. he was
1: supposed, he, he was supposed to never give up like and not tap out to make him look like a badass. but what happened was uh Brett said like this match needs color, and there are there are numerous reports uh, I don't know which one's true that he either hid a razor blade in his gums in his uh in his wrist tape or in his in or in his boots, and he knew the perfect moment to do it. And that gave us probably the most iconic moment yeah. in wrestling history is when sure. Austin puts both hands down, reaches up, and the blood just drips down his face, and then he's out cold, and Bret Hart is deemed the winner. So, what do you take? I mean, Br- Ray,
3: DK, like, what do you takeaways from this match? Even though it says it uh, in WrestleMania 14, like, oh, like it's, it's the Austin era, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. It wasn't really 14. It really was 13 that really dawned the Austin era. And, you know, like I said, we we could thank, you know, we could thank Bret Hart because – you know, obviously, you know, with Stone Cold, you know, his, his iconic moment really was the year before the King of the Ring, you know, when, you know, he 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 uh, goes over against Jake Roberts and he comes up there with Michael Hayes from the Fabulous Freebirds. He's like, oh, he's like, you know, talk about your songs and you thump your Bibles, you know, and you say your prayers or whatever. But Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. And, yep. you know, it just kind of just just goes, you know, that kind of catapults him from there. Um, thank God he got rid of that theme, that theme music, my God. That's but awful. that's a- <laughs> awful. <laughs> No, that I mean that that match with uh with Bret Hart it it just showed that Bret Hart really was intelligent about the business. Um I know we kind of talked about before getting on here about not having the business savvy um aspect of it all the way down but just from the wrestling IQ so to speak, I'm not sure more people had more of a wrestling IQ than Bret Hart uh to know that that match needed blood to know that Austin was a good worker and know that Austin could be someone that drew money. Now, yeah. I don't know if he envisioned if Austin would be what he became later on that year. And then what he became in 98 and, and, and uh so on and so forth, but to have that, to have that foresight to say, you know what, I can work with this guy. This guy's a hell of a worker. Um, Let's do it like this was phenomenal thinking on Bret Hart's part. And, you know, as a wrestler fan, I say thank you because it catapulted us into one of the greatest eras, if not the greatest era uh, in, in wrestling history.
1: And, like, what I'll say, uh, DK, before you, you give your thoughts on this match, because we, we do want to get to the screw job here, um, is Austin never beat Brett but that doesn't matter. Brett made Austin look like a million bucks, both times different ways. The loser of that match is the most notable takeaway from that match. that's what you remember. You don't remember Brett winning from the sharpshooter. You remember Austin struggling to fight out of it with the blood dripping down his face. That's how good Brett was.
2: Yeah, it was a great handoff. You know, it was, it was an honorable thing for, for Brett to do to elevate him to that point. It's the best double turn in the history of the WWF. Yep. It's, um, it's launches Stone Cold Steve Austin. Without this match and without Bret Hart's know how and elbow grease and uh, ability to to fight a fight, to wrestle a match that is not in his wheelhouse, you would think on paper, this is the kind of this is not the kind of match you would put Bret Hart in. But you wouldn't know it by looking at the uh, by looking at the at the tape. He go, goes in there and puts on such a display, such a selfless display for Stone Cold Steve Austin. And creates this iconic moment, just completely takes himself out of it. Like a lot of the criticism that you'll that we'll get into about the screw job, and I know we have to get there soon, um, is a lot of the criticism from the anti-Bret Hart camp is about his ego. You know, Brett thought he was bigger than this. So, you know, Shawn Michaels is, is on record saying Bret Hart thought he was too big for the for the company, all this stuff. That is not a guy to me with an ego. You know, Bret Hart went in there and elevated someone called Steve Austin, because as you said, he saw something in him um he he knew he was good for the company and he knew the kind of uh profile and and storyteller Conversely, i would
1: say that he never put him over so brett was a mark for brett,
2: brett sure, was- but 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 i think that i yeah i think that's a good point but i think and like you know he he did end up winning the winning the match but i think he was as you guys both just said he knew what he was doing he knew that he was elevating stone cold that night and and i think that I think that that's important and it, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the bloodiest matches of all time, which is not something you really think of immediately Bret Hart uh, uh, in bloody matches. You know, I mean, a prior, you think Ric Flair, you know, like was one of the, and like Bret Hart's been on record criticizing the, uh, Ric Flair's overblading on, on what is he, what did it, what did it, what was it, what was it that he said? He said, uh, he's, he's unsubtle with his, with Ric Ric Flair's unsubtle oh, yeah. with his blading, you know, yep. and, and he is, he is. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, but, and it's one of the most subtle blades ever, um, and you know I know you're not supposed to say blading, I, and I know that there's all this you know, and and it's a cliche to say all this stuff about about what Brett did, but you know, signature four figure leg lock in in that in that match from Brett, like he does all the stuff that you expect Bret Hart to do, but it's a stone cold match. That's a stone yes. cold Steve Austin match, and it's and it's, it's 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 yeah, sure, it's in both of their top. Five of all time, but it's it's more prominent in a, in a Hall of Fame match for Stone Cold. I
1: will say though, the the, the the knock on Brett from me and from a lot of people that are in the Sean camp is that Brett thought wins and losses mattered in wrestling. They don't. They don't. It, it is a it is a
2: work. You but you're don't. saying okay, now we're going to argue. So thank you. We're finally here. You're here saying you're saying that Brett thought that wins and losses mattered in wrestling, and they don't. For him. and, I, and yes. I agree that they don't matter. I do agree that they don't matter. But your your evidence to that is that he wouldn't uh, put Sean over, and the reason he wouldn't put Sean over is because Sean said he wouldn't put him over first, or Austin. Well, but that's a dip where we just talked about how good it right.
1: was. Well, but he, but he didn't do it. And I mean, his, his most notable WrestleMania loss was to his brother, and it was a roll-up. His most notable SummerSlam loss was to his brother-in-law. And it was a roll up
2: in, in the first, in the first five years of Brett's career, Brett was, was bordering on being a, a guy known for putting people over. And if you, if you're early you're, in your, if, if
1: you're, you're a tag team, that's what you're supposed to do. Like this, wins and losses actually don't matter.
2: Okay, fine. But what, it, <clears throat> let me just sit up in my chair here. Cause now we're doing this. <laughs> we are having a nice chat. Now we're doing this. Um, wait, if you're early in your wrestling career, you don't want to get that reputation. Uh, if you go on a solo run, especially, you don't want to get that reputation as somebody who puts puts people over too much. Brett did that a lot early in his career, even even during his solo runs. Okay, he gave up the belt a few times. He put people over. He did everything he was supposed to do. He's an undeniably good company man. When he even when he doesn't put Stone Cold over, as we just talked about at length, he elevates Stone Cold. He offers to put Shawn Michaels over and says, "I'll do it. Whatever needs to be done." And he, he walks up to him in the locker room. He says, I'll do whatever needs to be done. Like, just so you know, I'm a professional. You can count on me. This is verified from both guys. And Shawn Michaels says, that's great. I appreciate it. But just so you know, I'm not going to do the same for you. And that's what leads Brett to say, I, okay, well, then I'm never going to put him over. You know, I'm, I'm just not going to do it.
1: But also, at that time, neither of them had creative control. So like they can say whatever they want. The man, the man writing the script was not in the room.
2: Sure. But at the end of Brett's career, he had creative control, which leads reasonable as they always say reasonable creative control at the end of his career in the in the wwe before he goes to the before he goes to the turner you know that the the wcw uh, promotion that shall not be named <laughs> um you know and he's and he's he could put, you know and i think he knew too and, and i will say this if you're going to criticize brett you know he didn't fit in the, the wcw at all you know he didn't work at all and they didn't use him right and, and said
1: not to cut you off WCW does not know what to do with Bret the Hitman Hart.
2: No, they absolutely don't. They he didn't know what right. to do with the character. Yeah, he was totally right. And but he also was a loyal guy. He wanted to stick around in the WWF. And 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 the the picture that Vince McMahon painted him, and I'll get I'll get back to the other thing in a second. The the picture that Vince McMahon painted him was was would have been undeni- undeniably uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like. Just you would have been greedy for that. Any any career would have been greedy for that. Like I'm gonna be the babe Ruth of this yeah. organization. like he it, Vince painted that picture. He didn't ask him to. But to get back to your point, not putting people over, He's a second generation.
1: No, 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 no. No. I didn't I didn't say not putting people over. I said because he made people bigger stars, but, but right. he never but he never lost to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's a he,
3: genius.
2: That's great. Was,
1: <laughs> when he was a man of well, that's 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 a good thing for a heel. Like Ric Flair made baby faces, but never lost to them as a child. Well they made
2: him be they made him be a heel at the end. It ruined him.
1: Except in Canada.
2: I mean, he was. I mean, he can't be. He can't be a heel, can Well, the reason they made him a heel, as we all know, I mean, this is we're beating a dead horse here. But the reason they made that he became a heel is because he turned around to the entire American audience and said, "You guys suck." Yep. But the, you know, and he's he's never coming back from that. But what that would was his is idea. Con-
1: conventional wisdom would dictate that a, that a baby face doesn't make. The heel look better by beating them. The heel makes the baby face look better by beating them.
2: A great baby face it makes, a great, uh, makes a great heel, and a great heel makes a great baby face. One needs the other. One hand washes the other. We all know this. The point is, it, Brett knew he was never going to be a good heel. And he tried. He's he tried to a, say. He was a fantastic heel. I, I mean, he was, you, you think Brett was a good heel?
1: Yeah, I think. I, so, so I think Brett was mediocre at best on the microphone before 1997. But when they took off the handcuffs and they because he meant it and and they brought back like the the heart foundation, it was like, you know what, you know, America like is so far below Canada, I'm not even (laughs) gonna waste my like that. That's what you're supposed to do. People were paying to see him get his ass kicked and it didn't happen. That's I mean, I I don't
2: remember it like that at all. I mean, I I feel like he, I feel like that was completely anti. I mean, it might be because I'm a Bret Hart homer, but it might be, but I think that was completely antithetical to his to his message, to the kind of guy he was. It didn't make, it, it didn't feel authentic to me. It didn't match up with the criticisms he had of Shawn Michaels in the first place, like his legitimate criticisms, not his works when he was saying, you know, he's doing vulgar stuff in the ring. And, and, you know, why are they cheering for heels now? Like wrestling's changing, like all these comments he was making.
1: Why, when you think about it, it was perfect because Brett's character didn't change. He painted the picture on the microphone that they abandoned him. And all he ever did
2: was was yeah, Brett's character guy. didn't change though. <laughs> Brett's character didn't change. His character got sold out. You know, the hit the hitman heart got sold out by by Vince McMahon because I it think was, it's
1: one of the only times. I don't know
2: where... what to do with you. It was lazy. You know, I don't know what to do with you. I guess we'll turn you heel.
1: I think it was I think it's one of the only times in the wrestling business where a baby face turns heel without doing anything drastically different. and and it and it, and it did work because he was going against austin from uh, from pretty much. March or April until July, uh, which was the Canadian Stampede pay per view, which was in obviously Calgary, Alberta, Canada.
2: Okay, do the do the do the screw job, and then we'll get into this because because we got it. We have to frame it with the screw job backstory. So do the screw job. When you say the screw job, should we just get to it? Yeah, we should just get to it because now we're now we're talking about what like what what happened. Okay. Because so, okay, we, can, so, we can go. I I want to go back and reference this stuff in my arguments okay. for the for the screw job. So let's just frame it. I think.
1: Okay. Well. Now, without further ado, let's just get to the Montreal Screwjob. So the summer of 97 was filled with, uh, with uh, awful, awful, awful promos by both Brett and Sean to each other that they both said that they would never do. They both did it. There was backstage fights that happened, which brings us to, I believe it was September of 1997, where Vince McMahon tells Brett, hey, listen, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay you what I told you I was going to be able to pay you because we're going to go bankrupt. Turner is kicking our ass in April. Or, no, sorry. In September of 1996, it started an 82 week string of, of, of consecutive ratings uh, defeats by WCW Monday Nitro to WWF raw.
2: And this okay. was a lie. Just, you know, I mean, we, we we know this now, right? Well,
3: hold on. Uh, no, but, no, no, it wasn't a lie. They, it wasn't then. WCW was really killing them. And like yeah, I said, they,
2: they were losing they, in the ratings. But, but it, it, the reason that Vince McMahon wanted to get rid of Bret Hart's contract, you guys know this. I can see it in your faces. No, no, no. The reason he, no. the reason he no. wanted to get rid of his contract is because he was planning on going public with the WWF. At the time, no, that, did, that didn't happen for another two years. For another two years, but he was, but they told him that he should get rid of all his long-term obligations in order to go public to make him more appetizing to investors.
1: But in 1997, so, uh, uh, WWF was not was not profitable.
2: It was ni- in 1998 is when they went public, right? So they went public a year 99. later. 99 so two years later they 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 went public right he's saying we don't have the money to to back you I don't buy that I just do not buy that from Vince McMahon well
1: when you think about well hold on but in, in 1997 WWE turned uh generated I think it was like 134 million dollars in revenue they had a hundred and like uh, they had 120 million dollars in 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 pay so they did not make any money they made like 14 million dollars as a company in 1998 1999 they made 530 million dollars
2: yeah, the, their revenue
1: was down, but that doesn't mean that they were in they weren't in the red. Well, it was a fa- well they didn't have any stakeholders. It was just Vince. He did not. There was no it, that was a family run company at that point. Sure, in
2: sure. Time. but but he knew that that is he knew his plan was to first of all I think he was mad that he got backed into a corner by Brett with the with the WCW contract. So it was a matter of principle
1: that he helped negotiate. Second
2: yeah but second of all nobody nobody put a gun to vince mcmahon's head to to go and uh offer him that ludicrous contract that that contract would be ludicrous now that contract would be ludicrous in any sport 20 years creative creative control uh uh like lower workload that was part of it right like a, a 190 days or something yeah 185 days or whatever it was um he he gave he gave him the whole farm you know and he was mad about it you know and that's not that's not Brett's fault. Like that's he couldn't honor his contract. I don't get, like if, if that's now. This is 1997, right? If that's now. In any sport in 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 the WWF whatever in the Twitter era, every single person is going on Twitter going, "Sorry Vince." <laughs> you know, don't give a shit. You're the one who signed you and he went out of his way to give Brett that contract.
1: I think that's because you know I think that, that contract was a byproduct of, of Vince being screwed by by the talent that he created in WWF before. Well, he didn't
2: want to lose another star,
1: right. He, right? So he wanted to lock it up. But but you do need to realize nineteen ninety seven, nine ninety 97 were some of the worst years in the WWF's history. Um, ratings were down. Uh, Live attendance was down. Everything was down. It doesn't go. It doesn't really get better until after the screw job. but. Before we get to that, Vince says I can't pay you. What, what I want, I think I'm. I think I'm going to have to breach the contract. He helps Brett with yeah. uh, mm-hmm. with conversations with Eric Bischoff and WCW secure a three year deal for nine million dollars. The last part of Brett's agreement with WWE in his last thirty days is that he has creative control, meaning he does not have to do what he does not have what, what does not want to have to do.
2: Oh, you left one thing out, by the way. When he offered Brett that 20 year contract, he said, and I quote, I'll never give you a reason to ever want to leave. Yep. Right. I just want that on record. He said that right to Brett, you know, and Brett Hart up until this point has not done anything shady. He's not gone against his word. He's, he's, he's been a complete straight shooter. He's been loyal to the company. Just want that established. I've never this heard
1: point. anyone in the ring. He's the only wrestler that I know of. He's, that he's has a cause injury.
2: A technically perfect. He's he's been a good company man. The only criticism you could maybe level at him is that he hasn't, you know, he the win loss thing. Ray, do you agree? No, there's no blemish on his record. He's a mark for
3: himself. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's definitely a big fan of himself. Like he, sure, again, but
2: there's he, no real blemish on his record no, from a business no, 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 perspective. No. I mean, like yeah, no, no. Like no
3: business wise, no. Um, I mean, like we already talked about. It. I mean, his mic skills were below average, but other than that, no. But from a from a technical standpoint, everything else, no, he was he his was
2: mic low. skills might have been below average, but his showmanship was good.
3: Yeah, I mean is, like, is, we're, we're, but, like is, but like you said, Dave, like until until he got pissed off and like I so said, we you know they took off the handcuffs, like you know, like I said, that, that promo that he cut when he was like, everyone's turning a blind eye, Vincent's turning a blind eye, like that that was great because they let him be him. And like I said, he was pissed off because of what yeah, was
2: he felt it, he meant it. That's not why I loved Brett though, for me. Not for you no know, right, for right.
3: Me. But I'm, I'm saying, but I am saying like part of the part of the character, and this is with any wrestler, like part of the character is how you deliver things on the mic, right? So totally, yeah, it's totally. only you can only go so far with your wrestling ability, right? Yeah. And I can argue there's no one that's gotten more out of his wrestling ability than Bret Hart. Right. But Mm -hmm. you, you, you you have to have both because you have to have something that.
2: And he was a lot better in promos when he had the sunglasses and the belt and the jacket and he could be a little bit quieter. And that was kind of his image. And when he had to do it in the ring, I do agree that he, you know, without anything, any of that stuff on. And that is where it counts, obviously, like anybody can cut a promo. You get 20 takes on it. But when he had to do it live, I do agree that it, yes, he he was subpar for sure.
1: I think Brett always fell into the category of he was not someone who could talk you into the building. But if you were talked into the building, and you saw him wrestle, you'd come back again to see him wrestle. Well,
2: Brett he wasn't and, the advertisement, he was the product.
1: Yeah, yeah. But you know, Sean could talk you in. And and, and he was
2: the yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and yeah, he, he was and he was
1: and he was a great worker. So the stage has been set. Uh, Brett has creative control. The, the, the event is Survivor Series. It's going to be in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. The World Wrestling Federation Championship match will be between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, 18 months in the making. I mean, this story, they literally didn't have to do any promos before. They did, but they shouldn't have because the story told itself, right? We all wanted to see this match. Um, and leading up to it, Vince said to Brett, we're going to have Sean go over. And Brett said, no, that's not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lose to Sean. In, first of all, I'm not going to lose to Sean. Number one, number two, I don't want to drop the belt. I don't think my, that
2: was number one. I, I, I hate to quibble with you, but number one was, I don't want to lose in Canada. Which again, it's a, it's a, it's a scripted uh, sports entertainment product. So like again, he cares about
1: the wrong things when it's, when it's, when it's him. He's a mark for himself. Number one. So I, I don't want to lose in Canada. Uh, I don't want to lose to Sean. Vince said, "Okay, well, what if we get the belt off you before?" He said, "No, because I've been advertised as the champion in as a Canada As the champion in the
2: pay per view, which is fair." So,
1: so That's basically, fair. Vince gives all these different options to Brett and to Sean. None of them are being easy. None of them are, are, are agreeing with each other. And ultimately, uh, Brett suggested, "Well, why don't we just do like a schmas finish?" I, I, and like, we'll I'll drop the belt or I'll just walk into Raw in Ottawa the next day and
2: give me the belt. No, 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 it wasn't in Ottawa. It was the it was it wasn't the in Ameri- No, it was the next Monday night Raw in the US that he said he would drop the belt. It was the following week and that that he would he said it was the it was it was the next, yeah, it was the next Monday Night Raw, and it was, I think, so, in, in Madison Square Garden, and Vince didn't want to pay the forty grand to tape it, or whatever it so was.
1: not the Raw after Survivor series, but the Raw after the Raw after series. I
2: think so. Is, I, I could be wrong it. about this. And then, like, is you know, we agreed beforehand not to not to sit here, like, and nope. Google stuff, but, nope. like, I think, I think it was, he agreed to do it because he was, now, you might be right that he was making that up, and he just didn't want to lose it to Sean, but I think he said, I'll do it in, uh, I'll do it in the, at the next American date. Not to Sean, though. Uh, no, it was like to the what was that guy's name, the Bronx Bomber, the, the Brooklyn Brawler. What was oh, that? No, 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 no,
1: no, 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 he was kidding. Okay, so I know what you're talking about. He said he would much rather lose, uh, to the Brooklyn Brawler in, in Madison Square right, and Madison's right, but Garden. it was his,
2: it was, his, yeah, but he said he'd go in and drop the belt on that night, just like Sean had done with just his fake he, knee injury.
1: Just so you know, uh, the Brooklyn Brawler was a, mid-card, or not, right, I mean, a mid card, or no, right? Yeah,
2: exactly. He yeah, the, yeah, yeah, he, he was no, a right. You're right Sorry. but but he did say that he would go in and drop it the same way Sean dropped it with his fake semi-fake knee injury yep. right? right
1: And but the, problem, but the problem is here Sean wasn't leaving for the competitor
2: Brett but was. He was didn't want to leave for the competitor yeah, but, yeah, but he, he tried was. everything to not no, leave for the competitor no,
1: no, Well but he was he was and he, he was leaving and as we did touch upon a, a couple you know minutes ago the WWF at that time had already seen their champion of a division walk over to WCW and drop a
2: belt in the trash.
1: I first of all, let, let me let, let me just tell you this. I don't think Brett would have done it. I don't think Brett he would have done it. He
2: absolutely wouldn't have. He absolutely wouldn't have. And I'll tell you something else. The WCW was in no position to do that again. They were in the they were balls deep in litigation over the characters that you had already just mentioned. Uh uh that Diesel that, and had, razor. that uh, Diesel, yeah, Diesel and Razor that had left. Um, that the WWF was suing them over <laughs> over stealing those likenesses. The
1: WWF lost that lawsuit, by the way.
2: Does it? But at the time, they're they're knee deep in this stuff, and it, and it's they Like he, the what was the guy's name that Brent did all the deals with? That um, I never did any of the WW, WCW. I never watched any of it. What was the so, the Eric head Bischoff, of the Eric Bischoff? Eric Bischoff was saying he absolutely wouldn't have done that again. He was in no legal position to do that. That was Vince's paranoia. Because Vince thinks that everyone else is as much of a piece of shit as Vince is.
1: Well, so, a couple of things. Uh, when Eric Bischoff came over, to, came over to WWE, he did an interview and said, I understand why Vince would think that. I can tell you it never crossed my mind. I don't know if you believe me.
2: Yeah, he understands why Vince would think that because he understands how Vince thinks. And Vince is paranoid that everyone sucks as much as Vince does.
1: There's no finish here in this match, right? So there's a meeting at a hotel room with Vince McMahon.
2: All Wait, right, we please. left out, by the way. Uh, just in a quick, interesting aside: When uh, Bret Hart legitimately beat the shit out of Shawn Michaels, the the you, night know you mean the, before?
3: You mean before the match? I mean, or? before
2: the match when he when he it's been heavily disputed. It's well, I mean, I think I think the case was that everybody was pretty aware that if any if they really did ever fight,
1: Brett would take uh, it. Yeah,
2: that that Brett would win, and okay. <laughs> and he went. But anyway, the 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 famous the thing that nobody disputes. Um, I mean Jim Cornette, you know, who we all love, I I would hope, right? Jim Cornette is I, mean, I hate him, but I mean hate, love hate, right? Love hate. But I mean he's you've laughed at things he said. Oh yeah. I, I would oh hope, absolutely. Right? Um in a know, lot of said, memes. In a lot of memes, famously says, <laughs> yes. says uh I mean I'm paraphrasing here, but par- famously said, like Brett came back and beat the brakes off him. Uh, Shawn Michaels couldn't whip cream in a dairy factory, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and but but they all but but famously uh, hair got pulled out. Shawn Michaels yes. lost a clump of hair, and uh, Orton has the hair. I hear, <laughs> like still that's has true? the hair from that night. Yeah, that's what I. That's the rumor on the street. That'd be hysterical. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but there weren't that many people there. But then uh, Sean Michaels famously went into Vince's office and you know complained about a safe work environment. You got a crazy guy working here, whatever. So I just wanted to say that in, in lead up it's the the situation is not sports entertainment tense. This the situation is life tense at this point. Yeah. Like they went through a wall fighting each other. Like, yes. Okay, cool. go
1: So this is all the animosity is real. You know, there was, I thought, you know, we could touch on this, but I'll just say like there were references made by Bret Hart to the way that Sean conducted himself in the ring that he, that he appeared to be stripping with and bringing little boys into the ring to pose with him. Sean then, in the next week on Ross, uh, kind of outed
2: him having an affair with sunny days
1: made the sunny days comment which yeah. for all the you for those of you that don't know sunny was a uh was a valet in wwf at the time she made her, she made her way around the locker room it is uh, it, there's no short stories she was actually involved with Shawn michaels at the time so uh sean made the, made the comment just really to piss brett off
2: cause tension and it worked because he went home and his wife was like wtf mate
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So now it's, ni- it's the night before. Okay. And we're going to try and go through this as fast as possible. It's uh it's a uh, Vince, Sean, triple H and Gerald Briscoe in a room talking about how this match is going to go. And Vince literally says, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Like we, we, we just, I can't let him leave with the belt. And Sean famously said like, what are we talking about here? and Triple H said and I quote fuck him if he won't do business do business for him
2: that's and a so, funny thing to hear from from Mr. Curtin call by the way i just yeah. just to just to pop out here i mean yeah. to 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 have <laughs> triple h do do what i what i think is one of the worst displays of uh, professionalism in the history of sports entertainment um, coming out with that curtain called bullshit. He was still getting punished at the time for this, by the way. Oh,
1: he was being buried, yeah. Um,
2: and the only reason that he got back in, we all know this. I mean, this we're getting into high school gossip here, but the only reason he got back into Vince's good graces is because he's married his damn daughter. That was in 2003. So, yeah, but I mean, they were, they were already having an affair by this point, I think.
1: That was in and, 1999.
2: <laughs> Okay, well, maybe they texted. I don't know, but I don't even think texting was a thing yet. He
1: was. He was <laughs> they, they, they were paging each other. He was <laughs> still. He was, he was still having a few nights in China at this
2: point. R.I.P. Like, oh he was yes, yes, yes. Okay. Anyway, back to the back to the back to reality. Whoops! There goes gravity. Here's the thing. Triple H shouldn't have had a voice in that room. Okay, so maybe vo- maybe, and I don't even really think he should have a voice in rooms right now. But the uh, are you a Triple H guy, Mike? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, well, he, you he, both are. He's I'm, in a hot, I'm, in a, I'm in a hot room right here. Well, he
1: single-handedly rebuilt uh, their entire developmental division and made it into a, a brand that actually draws money when it tours. I mean, yeah, I think yeah that, eventually,
2: eventually yes. once he was given like his third and fourth chance. So well, the, no, when, um,
1: when he was champion, he was terrible when, from 2003, yeah. th- 2002, 2006, it was called the, uh, uh, oh God, it was, it was the, the, the reign of terror and it was bad.
2: Yeah. And, and, and the curtain call, you know, and I know that wasn't his fault. And that was, Sean, that was
1: that was Sean's fault, and Triple H ate the shit for it.
2: Yeah, and he's the one who got punished because Sean was the champion; he wasn't going to no. get punished. Uh, the guys that were on their way out couldn't get punished, so you know Triple H ate the shit for it. But he went around and did a bunch of disingenuous apologies about it and, and whatever. I like, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't co-sign a mortgage with Triple H. That's all I'm saying. I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him, which is not very far. So uh, Triple H planted the bug, is what you're saying? He planted the bug in Vince McMahon's head about maybe we screw him over.
1: So at this point in time like that was the call was okay we'll do it uh, but we just don't know when um so what so now Sean Michaels is put into the the uh I would say the worst possible place to be in Montreal Quebec Canada with in a, in the ring with a guy who can clearly beat you up I mean Sean oh
2: yeah they were worried he was going to actually get his ass kicked that night
1: yeah uh, so Gerald Briscoe, who was uh, an old-school wrestler, wrestler and promoter and helper with the WWF at the time, was was showing Sean moves about how to shoot Russell just <laughs> in case he was put into a spot where he couldn't get out. So Sean has famously said, like, it's one thing to be the person that says this is going to happen. It's, an, it's a whole other thing to be the guy that has to go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so before the match, Brett and Sean meet. And Brett actually said – No, I I, I really hope that, you know, this is a great match. I do want to say, like, above all else, I really enjoy working with you. I'm sorry that it got as bad as it did. And they actually had a great conversation, and they, they actually patched it up.
2: Which is why the famous footage in Wrestling With Shadows, Brett's like, come on, man. You know, and Sean's like, absolutely not, which we now know is a lie. But he's like, absolutely non. i like, I don't believe you, but like, whatever. You know, we had this talk beforehand, whatever. I'm going to go take a shower. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, and that could have been the moment that they finally patched it up if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, but whatever.
1: They had this come to Jesus moment and then they went over the match and they, they said, okay, well, you know, about 13 minutes into the match, what's going to happen is Sean's going to lock me up into the, into the sharpshooter. The referee's going to take a bump. DX is going to run down. Then the heart foundation is going to run down. It's going to be a double DQ. That was the time in Sean's head where he said, that's where we do it. That's where we have the, the turn happen. That's where we have the bell ring. He went and
2: nobody knew. Nobody knew what was going to happen. You know, like the the guys in the gorilla position didn't know. You know, uh, the guys who were supposed to be doing the queue, if, for those at home, uh, the guys sitting behind the curtain, uh, queuing the the surprise wrestlers to come into the gorilla position, that those guys didn't know. The truck didn't know. Or I think maybe one guy in the truck maybe knew. Kevin, uh, Kevin didn't knew. Kevin, yeah, yeah, done. Kevin, he knew. He's, but like, the, By the way,
1: he's the worst possible human being in, in the history of the wrestling <laughs> business. But That's, that's a whole
2: other podcast. Okay,
1: so uh, Earl Hebner is a referee. Earl Hebner is probably the most famous re- referee in WWF history or wrestling history because of this. Um, and he's pulled, uh, he's pulled aside by, I believe it was Vince or someone in Gorilla saying, uh, when Sean locks it in, call for the bell. So that's it. They
2: but go but Brett there. had gone to him prior. Yeah, so Brett and goes. Says, to You're not going to screw me, right? Like we're good. <laughs> I,
3: I, I swear I wouldn't do it. Uh, I love you, Brett. I wouldn't <laughs> do it, buddy. I promise I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to do it. And then you come out there, and you know he hops out the <laughs> And I mean, and, and listen, I, I have to give my take on this. We we t- we talked about this beforehand, and um, and like I so said, we talked about how Scott H- Scott Hall felt, some others have felt. Um, I just, I, I, still can't for the life of me understand. How do you let him put him in your own finishing move, Brett? How do you let that happen? Don't you can't let that happen. Not in your hometown. Not when you they know you're on the way out. Like, don't come on. Man.
2: I have two, I have two arguments for this, and I and I think it's the linchpin of my argument. For because what you're saying is what everyone's been saying to Brett for the last thirty years. How could you not have known? How could you not have known what they were going to do? This is why people think it was a it was a. Especially
1: war. if you suspected it
2: yeah if you suspected it if he did because he did suspect it because he put a uh, wire on himself and went in to talk to Vince beforehand to get to get it all on tape he uh if he if he thought it was a work or the people that think it was a work think it has to be a work for that reason because Brett had to have known he's not an idiot he's a little bit of an idiot about some stuff, but he's not an idiot about this stuff right like he had right. to know two reasons I'll tell you the two reasons number one the uh, and this is like not from the internet. This is a genuine DK sizzle hot take. Uh, not the first one, but the second one. The first one is he was boys with the ref and the ref said, no, he swore in his kids. He swore on his kids that he would, that he was not going to uh, call the fight against Brett and Brett. The the running theme of this is that Brett takes people at their word and he shouldn't uh, number two. And this is the most important one. And this is the thing I've noticed in all my research on, on this, on the Montreal screw job today. The sharpshooter is not a pin. It's a submission. You have to tap to the sharpshooter. You have to go, I'm done. I am in pain. So there's no worry in Brett's head that he's going to, it's up to him to lose to the sharpshooter.
1: Yeah. A couple of things played into into Brett's favor, right? Like, yeah. Get get me in
2: the sharpshooter all you want. I'm not going to sit on and, and I'll say this, and this is the most annoying part about the Montreal screw job. Shawn Michaels fucks up the sharpshooter. Brett he doesn't even him. do it right.
1: Yep, Brett had to correct him.
2: And Brett corrects him in the move. Yep. And as yeah. he's doing a nice thing, correcting him, ding, ding, ding. You know? Uh, and it,
1: So Brett was lulled into a false... He didn't give
2: up. It's not even a real screw job. He didn't give up. He, they rang the bell. That's why the referee said. Yeah, but it's not even a real... He didn't even really win the match. I've never heard anyone say this. It's not a pin. His shoulders aren't on the ground. Right for three seconds. He didn't give up. The
1: record books will will look and say that Brett gave up. He, he didn't Sean though. Michael, he didn't Shawn Michaels won the belt via uh, at the at the, at the end of the day, Brett screwed Brett.
2: <laughs> no, no. Um, how are you gonna let him? You asked well, the question. On, how well, are well. you gonna let him how you, and I mean listen? That was a great line. And and it was it was a genius piece of PR. There's no beating Vince McMahon of public relations. Okay, and Brent should have Brett Bret Hart should have known that. But Bret Hart felt comfortable getting into his own submission because it wasn't a pin. Because he knew he was going to tap. He wasn't to
1: tap. The referee couldn't fast count it, right? He was rolled into a false sense of security for two different reasons. One, Pat Patterson helped him put the match together, and he and Pat he asked Pat. Pat said no because they and, and they consciously did not tell Patterson what was going to happen. By the way, rest in peace of the first ever Intercontinental Champion, Pat Patterson. But he was a, he was a Bret guy. So they didn't tell him on purpose, and Earl Hebner was a Brett guy, and they they told him right before he ran out to the ring. They basically threatened his job, right? So if you don't do this, you're out.
2: No, they did. Um, they said they're going to fire him. If,
1: yeah, if you didn't do it, yeah. So, by the way, like what I, what gets lost uh, in this entire discussion is that this match was really good. It was it was actually uh, it it was the, off, the main event, the screw job match. It was yeah, still it was that. Yeah, but the twelve minutes. They, I mean, it was a real fight. Like if you if you if you talk about like the angst and the tension that they built in WrestleMania twelve, go back and watch this one because it was legit. This looked like it felt like a big fight. It looked like a real fight. Don't
3: watch the yeah, end. You already know and, what happened. And, and and even even in like once again, I'm, I'm big. I'm big of crowd reaction. Right. I'm not sure. Cause I mean I've been. I mean I've been to a couple of WrestleManias. I've been to some other uh, pay per views. I'm not sure there's ever been more animosity in one building than that night. Like it ever. didn't matter. It, yeah, ever. Like, I didn't. It didn't because matter whether the, the match was
2: in the know. They knew what they knew what had happened. There was a there was a section. of well, the I mean, crowd. they they wanted they wanted Sean to get his ass
3: beat. Though like, I thought they were going to beat Sean's. Ass. I mean, he, I mean,
1: he I mean, wiped, he wiped his ass with the. Canadian
3: oh yeah, flag. I, yeah. Which I'm I'm surprised no one brought that up till now. I, <laughs> I, I mean, when I when I watched, I'm like, yo, A like, beautiful heel move, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. But it, I'm like, wow, it's a like, great heel. I'm I'm like, you wiped the can't the Canadian flag. <laughs> I said I I said in between your legs, and I'm like, wow, and he's going he's sneezing on it. And I'm, I'm yeah. just like, wow. Like, I mean, I, I thought, I thought, I thought the un-American run in O2 was crazy with Lance Storm and Christian. Uh, but I mean, oh my God, that, that was, that was, that compares. doesn't that pale comparison to what Shawn Michaels did that night coming out to the ring. And I mean, if the crowd could have literally jumped over the gate and just held him in between the rings and just like Brett, just deal on him, then they, they would have, because there was not a person in that building, looking for Shawn Michaels to be victorious that at all. Like it, it, it's unbelievable. And I miss those type of crowds in wrestling. Like we'll never get that back. And if anything, that's more criminal than the actual screw job, because when those crowds are on fire like that, there's nothing like it, man. Damn,
2: like, I just awesome. like a crowd at this point? <laughs> Forget a kind of crowd, just a crowd would be great.
1: So, I mean, wh- what I guess everyone knows what happened at the end. Like, uh, Vince says, Ring the fucking bell, right? Earl Henry rings it. They all and there was
2: uh, some so- sort of, there was some sort of, uh, and that this is just popped into from my subconscious. There was some sort of reason Vince was standing next to the ring that he made up, right? Or am I just making that up? Like, why was Vince right next to the yeah, ring? That was I, unusual. So, yeah,
3: I, was- so, so, this. this, yeah, so, right. So, I think this is where. This is where I think if you're Brett, you have to know some shit's about to go down, right? Why is he down there? So why like why why are you even down there? You're not you're not doing um you're not doing commentary anymore. Now for the first kind of, time. For the first yeah, time. For the first, in first two years. time. You know, so now you're you're the you know, the Mr. McMahon character starting to kind of come about then really. And that's where that's where it really began. So
2: you think he had this in his head already?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like I I feel like that's why I'm saying like it, it would like that's why i think it was a work i'm just like yo like if you're down there he's by the sideline he's not getting to get a ringside seat he he owns the shit he can sit wherever right. he wants to sit and you know and we all know Vince's control freak nature he sits in gorilla and he sits there and he he mans the whole show like that's just yes. that's just what he does so for him to be down there by ringside he had to know okay this is going to get ugly um or knew knew was gonna go that's why he he bolts out of the ring and he ran uh out of the building that fast mick foley was pissed off and you know basically took his ball taker and, yeah, you know, taker
2: taker the biggest takeaway because in, right. the, in the mm-hmm. hallway afterwards this is why i love taker forever and i know we're we're all on a we're recording this like what a week after he's kind of officially retired i mean but and we're all in an emotional taker kind of moment but i was doing you know my montreal screw job uh due diligence today and the moment you hear that takers storming down the hallway has very little to do with this whole thing and is storming down the hallway to go find Vince McMahon to go, you better go talk to that guy because he's one of the boys, you know, like takers always one of the boys uh, and why he's the goat really like, you know, I mean, he's not my favorite of all time, but he's number two for sure. Uh, Cause Brett, but well,
3: yeah, I mean, everyone respects taker and then like, yeah, everyone respects, can't hate respects him. His, yeah. Yeah. You respect his opinion. So, um, and I mean, to be honest, he ran that locker room for years. So hundred whatever, essentially, whatever he said, essentially really went, you know, not, yeah. not triple H, not, not Shawn Michaels, <laughs> not Steve <Boston>, Austin, <laughs> you know, no, but I, I mean, but people really think that because of, you know, his family ties, so to speak. So, right. um, but that, that, that wasn't, that was not the case. So um, there, there was so much backlash from, from that and, you know, everyone wanted answers. Everyone wanted to know what the hell was going on um and you know but since this is credit you know he comes back there you know he's like all right you know i'll let him i'll let him knock me out and you know well i mean well during the shower during the you know uh brett's in the shower and says if you're still here i'm gonna knock him out you know and he's like you know then you know he says on that he's like i can't believe i'm gonna you know hit this man in the face and you know he you know he knocked knocks him out and you know the rest was history and they may move on from there but um I mean, granted, I, it, it sucks that it even had to happen because, like I said, obviously he should have—he should have still been that Babe roof, He should have been that guy. He should have been here forever. He should have been in the John Cena category. He should have been in the Steve Austin category. But you know, he ended up going to WCW, and it was just like, yo, like this is this is awful because he's one of the best that we've ever seen, and it's a sour ending for everybody because of how you're putting you know you're putting this on live TV so it w- it was it was just bad all the way around man I'm just and
2: curious I'm just curious about why did Brett screw Brett I I, I just don't I mean, like,
3: like I mean you said it already like Vince is just a master you know public relations person but the and additionally why I could tell you still say it's a work. There's no way and like Scott Hall said Scott, Scott, Scott Hall said this as well. He there's no way Vince at that time, especially when they're losing to the WCW, and you see Brett go W C W on his pay per view. They cut the mics, pay-per-view. They cut, they cut the mics on his pay per view. Like there's no. Way. Everybody knew. Everybody there's knew no that, they, that he was going to the. There's WCW. no way that he would allow that to happen. So he was at that like,
2: point. He was just trying everything to because he was emotional and he just gotten screwed over and he would. He would I, mean, just he, I mean, he's breaking. Place. He's
3: breaking apart the, the the TV sets. I mean, I was. I'm. Yeah, that like, was all was real. Like, and, and, like yeah, but
1: and that was not. That wasn't on TV. Yeah, there's
3: footage of it though. Right, footage. Yeah, but you see, you know, you spit on. Uh, Vince, which I mean, now see and now and I'm and listen. Uh, say what you want about Vince, and say what you want about uh how that went down. Um, and we saw this in the 05 Royal Rumble when uh you know he blew his quads <laughs> running into the ring because he was mad about the finish. Yeah. Um, if if you were spit on, me, <laughs> that was so embarrassing. Yeah,
2: it's it h- hilarious though. But honestly, I'm, I would I would rather die than get some have somebody spit in my face. You right, but I I would, I would have came
3: into the ring at that moment, and, and I'm sorry at that moment I, I I'm forget forget that I'm the boss, forget yeah. that I'm Mister McMahon. You know I'm I'm Mister Kenny McMahon. Damn it! Well, I'm coming in the ring, and we're just, we're just going to go at it. Like if I lose, I yeah. lose. But we're, we're we're throwing hands at that moment. Can't, there's, there's nothing you can do me. at
2: that point. And, and sorry, I will I'm say, right, right, so what an, right. an what an insane. You know, at that point, you have Bret Hart. You know, uh, multi multi time champion, uh, second generation wrestler. He's got all these accolades. Little did we know, he's one of the most accurate spitters I've ever seen in my (laughs) entire life. That was like a sniper. That was that that was was a bullseye. I couldn't believe it. You know, especially when you and you know we've all we've all been in different athletic situations. And you're uh, you know, your saliva is unpredictable when you're trying to spit on the court or, or on the field, but damn dude, that was like a laser beam. You know, he, he bought all the upgrades to, in spitting that night. That was crazy.
1: So a little, a little bit of the aftermath here, because I, I don't, I want to get back to our, our last point. Uh, Shawn Michaels breaks his back in a casket match a little, a little over two months after this match against undertaker in 1998. Uh, he, he can only wrestle one more match uh, in the next five years. Um, uh, let's see. Brett debuts on, on on WCW Nitro the next night after Survivor Series, but is instantly mishandled. He then sustains a career ending concussion at the hands of Bill Goldberg in 1999 with a untelegraphed kick to the face. Mule um, kick. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. WWF goes on to overtake WCW in the ratings war after losing for 82 straight weeks. WCW is purchased by WWF in, uh, in 2001. And uh, after he, you know, after Shawn Michaels is is on his way to recovery, he, he obviously, uh, for those of you that are listening to this, know that he is a born-again Christian. He admits that in May of 2002 on an episode of uh, WWE Confidential that he was in on the screw job, but he was ordered not to disclose that information. And that was the burden that really just kind of keeps him up at night. He then, four months later, goes on to return to WWE after a four-year absence and two back surgeries. He was never medically cleared to return, but wrestled for another eight years Uh, Brett suffers a stroke due to uh, due to symptoms of the concussion that he sustained at the hands of, uh, of Goldberg. No,
2: no, it was a bike accident.
1: Hold on. He, he fell off his bike, but but the doctors did say that, that, that the concussion that he sustained was never, uh, was, was, was never treated the way it should have been treated. Oh, gotcha. Um, He receives a call in the ICU from none other than Vince McMahon saying like Brett, you know, you're gonna you you're gonna come back from this, we're gonna figure this out, everything's gonna be okay. Like you're you just have to get back to being you. And Brett went on to say, I know that you did your research, DK, that that, that, that call was very inspiring to him.
2: Yeah, because Brett Hart is the kind of guy uh, that wants doesn't want real conflict with the people that he cares about. He also and wants to be loved. Yeah, I mean you can frame it that way, but he, <laughs> it's, he it's made true. an effort. Uh, multiple times as we discussed on the show with Sean Michaels to bury the hatchet and Sean wouldn't do it because Sean was obsessed with Sean. Um, Sean thought he should be number one and w- didn't matter in what capacity Brett was there. If Brett was ever there, he couldn't be number one. That was, and he wasn't wrong about that. Brett made an effort even on the night of the screw job to bury the hatchet with Sean. Brett doesn't like to be in conflict with people. He's not a grudge holder. He's Canadian for God's sake. He took Vince's apology with character and grace, like I would expect Bret Hart to. And Vince may may not may not have said "I'm sorry," but him reaching out was enough for Bret. And and that's that's so for you.
1: What does it say to Vince's character that he did reach out to a guy that had not been under contract in five years, and he really didn't have any? He had no reason to do it.
2: It's such a strange. He's such a strange guy, man. I mean, he's in in one moment he'll be doing the worst thing you've ever seen and then in another moment he's the most charitable dude in the world I think that <laughs> is it an my enigma? Own, my, he's he is an enigma he definitely is an enigma I think that my best guess um, and this is pure speculation about Vince McMahon is that he does care about his guys and he wouldn't be good at his job if he didn't and he's been put in situations where based on his values and his ethics, he's had to choose the business over the person a few times. Now, I don't think when it comes to the screw job, he did the right thing, but I think in, because of everything that made Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon up until that point, he did the right thing for for, for him, you know, for, from his perspective. Um, he fell backed into a corner. He was paranoid about the belt going to, to the WCW. He didn't, if somebody had just been able to take him away from the situation and, and said to him, on what planet is I mean, Brett All Hart... of them, really. All of them. Yeah, all of them. of them. I mean, they were all so close to the situation. And looking back, I just wish someone had been able to show Vince, on what planet is Bret Hart going to take your title and bring it to the WCW? He did everything he could to stay here. He said, Vince, give me a reason to stay. Please. Please give me a reason to stay.
3: I am forever grateful that it happened because if it does not happen, we don't
2: get the Austin error. I disagree. We don't get this. the Rocky. Like I disagree with this. If, because if you look at how Brett, if you look at how Brett's contract was structured, he would have had another, we, we missed out to me. We missed out on another great match with stone cold because their chemistry was off the charts They, they you know, we missed on We missed out on stone on, on Brett. Like Mike said, finally putting stone cold over. We missed out on. A, I don't know, know a, if
1: that ever would have happened, but
2: I think it would have happened. Uh, wh- what's your opinion on the Rock and and um, and Hulk Hulk Hogan? What's your opinion on that match?
3: Uh, I think oh, that- WrestleMania eighteen. Yeah. I mean, that that I mean to me. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm a little biased. Like I I love the Rock. Um, I do too. But w- once again, uh, talk, as I a mean, wrestler, Greg, can, by the way, yeah, right.
2: he, he does, he could, he's not fit to late, lace Arnold Schwarzenegger's boots when it comes to action stars, <laughs> but as a wrestler, right, I right. love the rock.
3: But no, I, I mean, WrestleMania 18. And like I said, we'll get into that guy. I, I kind of feel like this is going to be a start of a rivalry podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting that plug out there. Um, that rock and Hogan at WrestleMania 18 in Toronto. Cause that was also, and that was at the sky dome. Um, that was that was another crowd that was just super white hot but i mean i I loved that that match and you know it was icon versus icon and you it know, it was super
2: predictable though right yeah. because you knew that
3: no i i mean i didn't i didn't I didn't think because once again we talked about you said that he made that mistake with hogan before in in the um in the in the early nineties like I wouldn't have been shocked if they had put hogan over even as a kid if they had put hogan over um well either with a rock at at that time
2: you either know anyway my my point is my point is. Is is that is is that if if they do what they were supposed to do with Brett, then then you have a ready made and installed guy that can do that stuff for the company, d- d- that, can, uh, that as we saw he could do that he did with Stone Cold elevate these superstars based on his name be the Babe Ruth of the company, let him uh, let him go and and fulfill the role that he thought he could fulfill. And he doesn't stand in the way of the Attitude Era then, because what you're saying is, oh, if we don't have the screw job, and everyone seems to t- to take this as as gospel, if we don't have the screw job, then we don't have the Attitude Era. Why? Because Mister McMahon
3: it propelled it. No, it, it propelled it,
2: helped and, it, I mean, but it doesn't mean that that, that that we we already agreed tonight that that the reason that Stone Cold Steve Austin was so elevated was because of Bret Hart. Yeah, and but you don't match, you, you don't have the,
1: the evil Mister McMahon character without the screwjob.
2: I don't think that's as important. And I think that and and, and you and Ray and, and even and even and even if even if even Ray admitted that that character was already in Vince's head. So he could have just made the character anyway.
1: Yeah, but how do you make a character if you, like? So the reason that the, that the character took off so quickly and the WWE over overcame
2: WCW was because because he legitimately had he to le- screw somebody. He legitimately screwed somebody. That's outside of the purview and the and the uh, the the ethics and the values of sports entertainment, though.
3: But I, I'm I'm gonna push back on you, Dave, because I'm. i of fact, you made this statement earlier this show and uh, when it comes out, a heel needs a baby face. And that baby face needs to heal. In the so story. McMahon being not in real yeah, life.
2: And, not in real life.
3: Yeah, really but it's not real life. It's scripted. Over. It's not. It's not it, it wasn't real life. But, well, well, what happened in real life propelled what was being scripted. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm saying like he he becomes he becomes the heel, he becomes the heel, and then you know everyone he becomes the boss that everyone hates, and people keep watching every week. That's what happened. That's exactly what
2: happened. I, that is what happened. But I think I don't think that that, that means that they couldn't have done. The Attitude Era in a similar way with similar characters with Brett not getting screwed over. I, I I think people take it as gospel that it took that screw job to make that happen. I just don't agree with that. All the factors were in place already. So I, I Stone Cold think... was already there. Who's the face of the Attitude Era? Stone Cold. Stone Cold, Who far. who Who made Stone Cold, as we talked earlier? Bret Hart. You know? We missed out on a great match. We, we missed out on the rematch of Stone Cold and Brett, man.
1: I would implore you to go back and watch Survivor Series 96. Also, Brett didn't lose. But what I would say is like... But the, we
2: missed out on Brett losing to Stone Cold. That would have been his big loss. That would have been a loss that he could take in his heart. He, I know it. I know it. I know it.
1: The Attitude Era did not need the screwjob to happen for uh for for the Attitude Era to take place. But because it happened, it took place sooner. What I'll also say is Brett was not a fan of where wrestling was going. Right, so he would have been a staunch uh, uh, rival to actually th- the product and where it was going. He did not like the the, the, the creative direction. He didn't like all the the. He loves Stone he
2: Cold's didn't... character, though.
1: So yeah, but he liked it. Also, like he <laughs> okay, this is another tangent. He he liked Stone Cold. He liked The Rock.
2: Pretty good judge <laughs> of character, okay. The only two people that matter are the Attitude Era, so who cares? Uh, I would
1: say The Undertaker and Degeneration oh, X.
2: But the, under, but the Undertaker was already The Undertaker, so that's he wouldn't have had an issue with Taker. Taker could have done whatever he wanted.
1: If Brett doesn't, if, if the screwed up doesn't happen, there is no Austin. I mean, Austin and Michaels don't face off at mania. There's no Mike Tyson in it. Mike Tyson is in a line with DX and, and then, and then turns on DX at the end of the match to give Austin the belt. That moment when JR says in Boston, Massachusetts was not there, but was able to skip school the next day because my boy lost the minute that Jim Ross says <laughs> stone cold, stone cold, stone cold. Like that was it. That was it. And it, it took it, Sean. It
2: would, but, but, but the assumption that it would have been worse is is not a correct assumption i i think that the no not up, not that
3: not that worse it's just when i i just don't think it may not have been at the height that we would have been different reme- yeah it just would have been different doesn't different, mean it would have been awful doesn't mean, doesn't mean worse though. yeah no i know I, I agree i'm just saying i i just feel like that's such a nostalgic moment that it's so hard to say well you take that but out it's of there built on the back of an been...
2: ethical dilemma you know it's built on the back of a of a screw job you know, sure, but and, it, it, it was it was and beautiful.
3: It, and remember, Brett, you didn't
2: just Brett. no, but he didn't though, and he, and he didn't, you didn't you didn't just screw over anybody. You you screwed over a guy who from 1992 was the best company man that that you had to offer. He he bailed you out of your Lex Luger I would bullshit say from
1: 1985. He was the best.
2: Sure. Great. I mean, he bailed he bailed you out of the steroid scandal. He bailed you out of your Lex Luger bullshit. He bailed you out of your diesel bullshit. He bailed you out of uh, uh, Shawn Michaels being a being a, a loony on the road a little. He uh, he did everything was it, was it that was Jenner? ever. He was. He did everything that was ever asked of him, except the last thing. And that's the, the brush we choose to paint him with.
1: Well, well, no. Okay, well, that's the brush that we choose to paint him with because he has a history of only... of of really, really thinking that wins and losses matter when he... No, wins.
2: his character, Brett yeah. the Hitman Hart... It can sustain was,
1: a loss. It, all, it could.
2: No, it could sustain a loss, but Brett the Hitman Hart losing to... It wasn't... You're You're making it broad. He... Brett, the Hitman, heart shouldn't have lost to Shawn Michaels. The uh, by by that point, uh, uh, he should have been able to relinquish the belt. He should he he's right when he says I should have been able to relinquish the belt and leave. He deserved that. He earned it.
1: So, um, a couple things that just just to tie this up.
2: Shawn Michaels got to do it. Shit.
1: It's it's actually well that's another thing. So it's actually. Um, So after Brett suffers the stroke, Vince calls him, they do a DVD, they do the Hall of Fame, but Brett Brett is still nowhere to be seen on WWE television. It's actually WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, uh, which is regarded as probably the greatest match in WrestleMania history. Brett is on record of saying that he watched that match and he was so proud of Shawn and of Undertaker that that made him want to come back to the WWE and fix things. So that's we fast forward to January 4th, 2010. Brett, the Hitman hard is a special guest host on Monday night raw. The first thing he does is call out Shawn Michaels and they, they did not speak to each other backstage. They made it a point to do that. They texted and said, we'll just do it in the ring. And they both buried the hatchet. It was over. So what was a 13 year saga at that point? It's now a 23 year saga at this point, looking back on it, I'm going to say, uh, to, I kind of know your answer. Uh, DK, so I want to save you for a second. Ray, who was at fault for the screw job?
3: I I mean, I'm getting back into a corner, but I mean, I still have to say it was bright, but only, only by default, not because... It's because he was leaving the company. So because he was leaving, because there was something that already happened, you know, we talked about it. Vince felt that he was backed into a corner. Now, granted, could he have handled things differently? Sure, but just just in that moment, who could who to me deserves the lion's share because he was on the way out. Because he was someone that was a major part of the business. But you know, could it just you know it was as they said the timed honor tradition that when you leave the business, you drop the belt on the way out. No if ands, buts about it. That simple. You know, if you're the if you're the company guy, then that's what you do. So I, I have to, I have to put that on Brett. I hate that it had to happen to such a great guy, but like I said, we got one of the best ever out of that. So thank you, Brett. But I have to put it on the Hitman Heart. But you're still the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. DK, who who's to blame?
2: Uh, he's not even in the top five of blame. It, it goes like this: <laughs> it goes, Vince is number one. Vince is probably also number two. Uh, Triple H is number three. Earl the Ref is number four for Lined Brett, and then Vince again hey, like, at number five. So, like, <laughs> like,
1: I, I guess for you, like, where, what level of blame do you do you assign to Shawn Michaels in that moment? Uh,
2: there's no there's no world in which I expect Shawn Michaels to react differently when he's presented <laughs> at that point. So if I know what I know about Shawn Michaels, his character about, about who he was as a person in real life, like I, that's, that's like asking the sun at that shine. point. So, you know, it's, it's, that is what it is. I'm not, I'm not mad at Shawn because she, that, you know, that that's just hit dogs going to holler. So at the end of the day,
1: you give him any, any credit for actually going out there and doing it.
2: Give who any credit.
1: Sean, because it, when you think about
2: it, Because he-, <laughs> he should have been afraid for his fucking life. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, he should have been afraid for his life. But,
2: <sighs> Ray, ma- Ray makes a good point, and it's a and it's a poignant point, and it's that you know, it's it's tough to speculate what happened, what what would have happened after. It's tough to speculate uh, whose fault it was. Vince was backed into a corner. The thing that always sticks out to me is that if Vince had have given Bret Hart the benefit of the doubt he wouldn't have screwed him over back. So Vince screwed Brett because he thought Brett might screw him, but I'm 100% sure that he wouldn't have. And so are you, Mike. So nobody had to get screwed in in that that game.
1: I think Vince screwed Brett because he thought WCW would screw him.
2: Well, I'm really glad you finally said the words Vince screwed Brett. So I guess that concludes the show because you've admitted that I'm right. (laughs) Vince (laughs) is at fault.
1: I think what happened was Vince screwing Brett. I think Vince, by the way in which he painted himself and Sean and Brett into a corner. Literally, he had no other option but to do what he did.
2: I, I, would just, I would just say in summation of my point, Vince didn't have to give him the contract that he gave him, which put reasonable creative control. in the. Contract. But
1: I think he did that uh, with, with good intentions.
2: Maybe, but he didn't have to. He gave him reasonable creative control. He gave him the contract that he then wanted to get out of. He reneged on the contract. He thought of the idea to screw him. He screwed him. And uh uh and then Triple H also. He should also, he should get like the uh, you know, the aiding and abetting charge, I think. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, he's the idea, man. If it was a good thing and they were gonna make a billion dollars off it, he'd want the he'd want the credit, right? So he should get the blame. He thought of it. It was Funny his enough
1: idea. Is it was a billion dollar idea <laughs>
2: after
1: that. He did become a
2: billionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the credit, not the blame. Right?
1: Yeah. So, uh, obviously, you know, thank you so much, DK, for joining this episode. Of, oh, so of, much fun! Thanks G- for having T- me. Yeah, Rayshawn, you were you were great as always. Thank you so much for to Craig, uh, our the best EP in the business. Stay tuned for episode three of Cheap GP- where we preview the upcoming Royal Rumble. We talk about our, ba- our best Royal Rumble memories, and we'll go on from there. So for TK Sizzle, Dave Clark, Rayshon Buchanan, Craig Delessandro, I am Michael Marcangelo, signing off. This was episode two of GP.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Missing the Point. Missing the Point is a one-hour weekly podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a England flavor. The show notes and transcript from today's show can be found in the description box below, as well as on our website www.mtpshow.com If you're new to the show and like what you heard, consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see when we publish new episodes. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us and leave a review of any of our shows. We always appreciate your feedback. Let us know how we're doing and how we can sound better. Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All of our links will be in the show notes. And check out our brand new website, www.mtpshow.com. That's mtpshow.com. For all of us here at Missing the Point, I'm Craig D'Alessandro. We'll talk to you next time.